I'm the target of a meat missile going 150 miles an hour plus. That got really exciting all of a sudden. I'm doing canopy safety. Um, I drive like an Asian, so I don't know if it's the most appropriate thing ever. I'm killing it. Utah, give me two. You're listening to Gravity Lab Radio, hosted by DJ Marvin and produced by Nicholas Lott. Have we talked about skydiving the whole time? So uh, we got Tommy Miller here joining us tonight, folks. Uh, oh, really be on. patient with us. I'm not sure if uh, I'm not sure if we got video going. It'll come up. It'll take one second. Be patient with us. We are trying to uh, test a new system out. We've got some cameras. We have a little bit of multicam, so now you should be able to oh, see Mr. P see? when we get a chance. Uh, we'll see that come in here oh, in a I second. See me. I don't think the world can see me. But did you cook the go? Li- oh, hold on one second. I know what's wrong. What is it? Oh no. I hear us somewhere. Hey, Hey. I'm watching this right now. (laughs) So go ahead and click on the very back background, the OBS. Got it. And now you're live on that. Remember, you've got the transition keys. Oh, okay. So just the numbers isn't going to switch me. Exactly. The numbers only preload. Oh, okay. Yeah, you want to turn that volume yeah, down? Sorry. <laughs> no, it's okay, man. <laughs> oh, I can't stand hearing myself, believe it or not. Especially oh, off you're time. Gonna, you're going to hate these headphones. Like, yeah. You 30 seconds ago? So, guys, be patient with us. We've got a new video set up. Uh, I've gone away from my cell phone. It's been a little bit of a pain in the butt using my cell phone. And I don't know if you heard fucking, I, I got a new iPhone. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I just straight up skipped the not cussing, Nick. I, got a new <laughs> I noticed. <laughs> Good, I'm glad because yes. that relieves the pressure on me. I, I got a new iPhone and they don't have the stupid headphone jack. Oh, yeah, I know what you're talking about. So the seven. Re- yeah, so yep. to record the podcast, I need power and a headphone jack. They make a dongle for it. It's a, it's, a, it's a horrific mess. Yeah. So I was forced to learn a new system that actually worked out better. So now we have two cameras. Nick is on, excuse me, Mr. P is on yep. one camera. Yes, sir. And uh, then oh, we're on another camera. I'm on TV right now. You're on TV right now. <laughs> so be patient with us as Mr. P, as myself. We learned the system. Uh, Nick, if you need or have any questions, speak up. Let us know. Okay. Sweet. Okay. So the only party. thing that I'm, if, if I tell you to kiss that microphone, you just got to get real intimate with it. You betcha, baby. <laughs> <laughs> so we've got Tommy Miller here today. Uh, Tommy, you are the chief instructor. That is correct. For Skydive Spaceland Houston. Yes. We won't let you do all of it. Nope. No, no. <laughs> and uh, a lot of people know you because of that. A lot of people know you because you're a free flyer. Um, I know you because you're an idiot, and <laughs> that is the best reason I like to hang out with people. Cool. So how long have you been jumping? I, I've been skydiving since, uh, I think, 2009. I did my first tandem, I think, when I was 19, so that was eight years ago. I do fingers on my hands. Yeah. No math on my fingers. <laughs> yeah, so it's been about <laughs> eight years ago. Seven, eight years ago. Yep. And years I got ago. my license in 2010. In 2010. Now, if I remember right, your family skydived. Yes, yeah, so it actually starts, uh, my my dad's always been a skydiver. Uh, I think he got his license in, in the 80s. I can't tell you when. And then his, his mom, which is my grandmother, uh, was... I think she has seven jumps, maybe, maybe, okay. s- maybe more than that. But the static line jumps along with uh, my grandpa, and he passed away before I was uh, before I was born when my dad was younger. So that was, but that's how they actually met, I believe, at the drop zone. And then, well, I think once my dad and they had kids, then they uh, stopped jumping, got out of the sport, 
And then when my dad was in the military, he got his civilian license just going through the military. And then he was on and off for the past 20 years. And then whenever I turned 18, he was like, hey, you want to go skydiving? I was like, because I had gone out to the drop zone a couple times when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. <coughs> Excuse me. And he was uh, he was like, yeah, you should get your license. We can jump together. So, that's so how many how jumps does your dad have total today? Uh 478. He's really close to 500. Nice, man. Is he still actively jumping? Not currently. Okay. <coughs> so how did it feel when you passed Dad up? Like when you started skydiving, <laughs> Dad had a bunch of jumps. Yeah, that was definitely, uh, I remember that was a, not a goal, but uh, that was a, uh, that was, because we've always been, me and my dad have always been really tight. We, uh, when I was younger, we motocrossed together. That was like what me and him would, would go out to the, on every weekend, and we would, uh, go out to the track and get our motorcycles and work on them, whatever. And we'd go out and we'd ride together. And it was always uh, not a competition between the two of us, but we'd always, we were always competitive. And so whenever skydiving, I guess, is kind of where was so funny. <laughs> Sam's over there just being like, <laughs> she's giggling. Yeah, this <laughs> Wait, I can take my shirt, shirt off. off. Oh, Tommy, please take your shirt off. Nah, do I really need to take my shirt I off? I mean, this is the first time that anyone's brought their girlfriend, so <laughs> I think it should also be the first time that anyone takes their shirt off. You can't just hire a pretty face. <laughs> can't just hire a pretty Jay face. Jay did try I don't to see a last week. That would be another girlfriend that would have oh, showed up. Oh, that is true. I like that up. you and Jay have ended up in a nice long-term relationship. <laughs> is Blair Smith jealous? Is it Facebook Does official? upset? <laughs> be patient with us guys we've got uh tweedledee and tweedledum sam and ben you pick which one's which sam it's your choice in the background they'll distract us and past your dad i don't oh yeah oh yeah so whenever i pass my dad we uh he's always been very supportive of me skydiving and it's it's really been nice having that and it's nice having uh someone that in the family that's like i can be like oh man i had the, a really nice swoop today and he's like oh man he can he can really appreciate it so that's kind of cool. Oh, you gotta let me finish pouring <laughs> my drink before you stop talking, man. How many jumps do you think you have with your dad? Because I mean, I would say close to a hundred, if not is, more. Of all the things I could do skydiving, I've got like eighty-two, eighty-three hundred jumps now, and by far my most memorable jump is taking my sister on the can of skydive. Yeah, it's pretty neat. And dude, sharing what you love with those you love. Yep. Dude, to go on a skydive with my dad, I hate you. I'm, I'm jealous. Yeah. I would love to. I would kill to. He has an inner ear issue. I don't. I'm. I'm not a doctor. I know how to pick my nose, <laughs> and that's about it. <laughs> but you've got a tube in your ear, and at the bottom of the tube is a little sack, and uh-huh. and I'm gonna describe this all wrong. And inside a the sack, there's like a little silicone bead or something, and it sits there, and his falls out of there and into the tube, and when it falls in the tube, it bangs around, and that's your balance tube. Gets complete vertigo. Vertigo, you yeah. You get that too? Yeah, yeah Sam gets yeah, that. Yeah, Sam bit. gets that. Gets complete vertigo, and he is petrified that if he skydives, it's going to fall out and he's going to have an issue. I mean, I've convinced him we can go out poised, we can stay head yeah. high, everything will work. <laughs> Sam has it, and, and Dad, if you're watching this, I know you're not because you don't <laughs> like the languages I speak and what I drink. Dad, if you're watching this, this little cute girl who's like, what, 12? How old are you, Sam? 22. So those of you looking, she is legal, um, although she's dating an old man. Uh, Sam has got the same problem, and she's able to do it. But yep. my dad won't jump because of that fear. Yeah, it's... Uh, I, Sam, have you ever had any vertigo skydiving? Uh, I mean, I've seen before I have, but I also have, like, a medication for it. Oh. 
I don't know. Can, can anyone hear what she's saying? It's, it's really, really quiet. You okay. can barely hear it. Yeah, yeah, no. So she's saying that she takes some medication for it, but she barely has ever gotten it. I think she takes some medication to put up with you. Probably. I, I really, really do. I've heard that I can be uh, hard to put up with sometimes. <laughs> Sam's Sam confirming. says yes, yeah. And I work with both of you, and I have a feeling about that m- with mo- one of you a little bit more <laughs> than with the other. I am staring at you, Sam. <laughs> so you started jumping in 09. Where did you make your th- – your dad was there for your first jump? Yep. He was a fun jumper at that point, active or – No, he was actually on current. Did and he get so current the same day? No, he ended – like I did my first tandem and just to really see if I was like super interested in doing it. And it was at Skydive East Texas, which is actually – it's in Gladewater, Texas because I'm originally from Tyler or Winona, which is outside of Tyler. But I say Tyler because no one knows where Winona, Winona is. Right. Yeah. So uh, we went to Skydive in Claywater, Skydive East Texas, and they, uh, I just wasn't wanting to do a tandem just to see what it was like. And once I did my tandem, he was like, man, if you want to get, if you want to, if you're interested in learning how to skydive, I'd be totally down to get current and we can jump together. And so we had stopped uh, like motocrossing for like five, six years. And, uh, and I was like, oh, man, that'd be awesome. It'd be just like whenever I was 9 to 14, we'd be having something to do, something to go and, and uh, enjoy together because it was a lot of fun. Dude, I still, every time I know somebody who jumps jumps with their parents, it makes me jealous. Mr. P, yeah. have you ever jumped with your family? Uh, no, my mom, I guess my mom made a tandem when I probably had 60 jumps, so I wasn't allowed to come on the yeah. skydive. I was on the airplane. Um, I, I guess I have a handful of jumps with my brother. I got him into the sport, oh, yeah, and that's right. uh, he started jumping. He that's was right, gonna yeah. come out to visit uh, earlier. Yeah, I guess and he's he still current, right? He just yeah. bailed on me. Yeah, he bailed. Yeah, that's cool. That's alright. I'm not mad about it. Way to go, brother. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you're watching this and but, it broke my heart. But uh, my dad never jumped, and my sister talks about maybe wanting to jump, but. Uh, but it, I don't know if she'll get to. Yeah, I have a sister, and uh, I've talked to her about it in the past, and she was been kind of on the fence. But I think we I can convince her to go on one day. Yeah. I convinced my sister. God, it's been four years ballpark now. And I took her on a tandem, and you've taken close friends, right? Yep. Well, reasonable y- friends, people you've known, but not like friends that I've had for a very long time. But you still know it's a different experience. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I love taking a complete stranger on a skydive, sharing what we do, showing them the scenes, but having an intimate relationship with a person and then taking them on this experience. A tandem skydive is going to be sound completely gay, but it's the most intimate skydiving experience you can have. And you really share in it. Like you're chasing that first that first hit, man. It's like a crack pipe. Like I need it again. <laughs> and still chasing. Still chasing. And that tandem student, when we open up under parachute, their expressions, the way they talk, the way they feel, that really is what feeds us. For sure, especially yeah, doing tandems. It's it's that's that's the whole reason why I feel like you would stay continue doing tandems. Dude, yeah. If you're just doing tandems for any other reason, it gets to be a heartbreaker really quickly, <laughs> yeah. man. Uh, quick so burnout. Just because I, I haven't, I've only jumped with a handful of people that I know well, like that I know yeah. outside of skydiving. So, what what problems do you have? Like when you take uh, someone that you know well, are there any parts where it's weird for you? Um, man, you know, I had over three thousand tandems when I took my sister on her first jump, and the only weird part was my sister's finally skydiving. <laughs> like it was the most epic thing ever. I was jumping at a drop zone. I'd only I did a solo or excuse me a three way earlier that day with Valerie and a good buddy Billy. We did a three way free fly jump. It's like cool. I know the drop zone. I'm gonna go do a tandem. They have a really tight tandem landing area. 
uh, a buddy of mine, Justin, is uh, shooting video, and, and I'm just a little nervous about the location, don't know the place, tight landing area, a little turbulent. Other than that, it was just sheer elation. I, I think the joy had me taken more than the fear. See, the, the reason that I ask, like I think I have a work personality and I have a not-at-work personality. And so someone yeah. that I know well, who I'm going to, you know, they're going to come in and see me at work talking to them like I would talk to a random stranger. <laughs> it's <laughs> yeah. really hard to try and find like a good neutral. Personal. Like, yeah, to, to try and be, personal, yeah. To, to keep it the, the same way that I would interact with a friend. Yeah. But still being professional at the same time, it's a really hard mix for me to find. My grandmother, she was like when I was working in Lodi for a while, she uh, she came out there and visited and she was like she I did an interview and then landed and and was walking back inside or whatever. She was like, oh, you sound like you've done it a million times. Like you you sounded like it was so like it was almost scripted. And then I, I was like, she's like, not that sh- not that she was saying that it wasn't personable, but. She was just like, oh, like it just it sounded so. And so I understand what you're saying because where where do you? It's gonna be hard to stay personal as you're trying to. Uh, I, I for me it's like doing an inter- like a video interview with someone that I already know. So, so I can't pretend like there's just no pretending. Yeah, you know? yeah no, <laughs> that, that's what's really hard for me is trying to communicate the things that I'm so used to saying in a professional way in yeah. a normal, hey, we're buddies kind of way. But you know how I do interviews. <laughs> 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 and how I already feel like I know the answer. Or I already know what I'm going to say <laughs> when before they answer. So it's like, man, I could just imagine. As soon as I have a camera in front of my face, I'm just like autopilot. I just go through and I, it's, I'm terrible at it. I'm trying to get better at that. Anytime I've actually taken somebody I've known, I've taken some really close friends on tandems, not just family. Uh, it's actually, I, I act very different. I don't act like tandem instructor DJ. I act like, yo, this is my homie Nick. This is my friend, uh, whoever. This is my sister. And I interact with them the way I would interact with them naturally. Right. And I just happen to do my job at the same time. But every time I've taken a dear friend or a family member on tandem, I've got to spend one or two hours with them on the ground, take them through the entire experience. So there's not that let's meet at a call. There's not a, a rushed feeling. You know, our work is very canned. We're right. in pieces. We're in chunks all yeah. day long. Uh, I get a couple hours. I'm actually taking Dr. Post is my vet, and he's got a foreign exchange student. I'm going to get ready to take his uh, daughter, you know, his foreign exchange yeah. daughter, on a tandem. And I told him the same thing, like, show up. I'll take you on a personal experience. Um, Spaceland is very generous when I do these things. Mm-hmm. Um, I won't even get in line for Sam, stupid Sam, manifesting us. <laughs> um, I actually get to be able to actually still have to manifest through Sam. I'll take the stupid back onto the otter instead. You know, So I take him on the fun jumper plane. I'm like, hey, check it out. These are all the other skydivers. Um, when my sister went, there were other tandems. I actually pointed out, like, watch, he's about to say this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all the jokes. Watch, he's about to do this. Yeah, and we laughed together. Yeah. But my sister is my best friend, man. We're military brats. We moved every seven months to four years. That was the shortest and longest we lived in a place. And all our friends did the same. So the only person you had consistently in your life was each other. Right. So I fought with my sister like you fight with a best friend. <laughs> and I love my sister to death, man. To this day, I would still say my sister is actually my best friend. Um, she's probably watching this at some point, so I take it all back. Debbie, I hate you. <laughs> Jerk face. Um, you mentioned, like, work. Nick started with it. Mr. P started with it. You picked it up where you left off is we're very canned. You know, it's been a long time since I've been a full-time T.I., or a full-time video guy. Right. You say the same things over and over yep. again. Do you ever catch yourself repeating 
what you just said, even though they answered the question already? Halfway through an interview, whenever I'm saying in the middle of saying something, in my head I'll go, did I already say this? And then I have to just remember, like, well, it's too late now, and then I just continue on with whatever. Yeah. If I feel like it happens all the time. Yeah. And then I watch the video, and I'm like, oh, actually, I didn't say it twice. Uh, I, I think it's back to we do it so many times. We actually do it at certain points, certain altitudes, certain yep. time frames, and in certain orders that chances are we haven't. But how many times did you hear that today? Yeah, no, yeah. for sure. You probably heard it 10 times yourself, and then you heard your friend say the exact same line 10 times. Yep. So you get confused very quickly and very easily. Excuse me one sec. Oh, I just burped too. Oh, well, that was good timing for uh, you guys. Oh, man. <laughs> A little uh, scotch and sriracha <laughs> does not come up too uh, well right now, man. Scotch sriracha. Sriracha. Yeah. That was Ben Nelson. <laughs> so your official job at Spaceland is you're the chief instructor. Yes. You came to Spaceland when? Two and a half years ago. This September, it'll be three years. Dude, for one second, I'm sorry. I will give a shout out to Shredward. Eddie, Edward. Eddie. One eye, old Edward. patch face. Just signed <laughs> in. <laughs> old patch face. That's how you know you got a good friend. Oh, I love you, Ed. Um, I just wanted to give a shout out to Ed, man. I miss that kid. I do, too. I got to see him in Cluiston recently, and he's seems like he's doing really good. Did you see the picture? Proud of Ed. You see the picture on Facebook that Ed posted him fishing, and I thought it was you. I heard everyone came up to me <laughs> talking about that. Everyone did anybody, did you see alike. that, Nick? So I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, I did see that. And like I, me, I thought the same thing. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, man. So uh, Edward, don't say sorry to me. Say sorry to Edward. You now look like Tommy with hair. So there's the big difference. Even better. So the new and improved Tommy. Tommy 2.0. <laughs> <laughs> new and approved. So you have been at Spaceland for how long again? Two and a half years. And you came here with just a tandem rating. Yep. And how many skydives? I had about 2,400 skydives. Okay, so two and a half years, 2,400 skydives. Sorry, I got to do math. How many jumps do you have now? Close to 5,300, 5,400. So 3,000 skydives in two and a half years. Close to it, yeah. That's a lot of sitting around and doing nothing with your life. Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. How many of those are work jumps and how many of those are paid or fun jumps? Now, I, I think... Work jumps can be fun, but you know what I mean. No, no, for sure. Uh, fun jump, I think I, I try to fun jump as much as I can uh, just because it's, it's the fun. only way I can stay sane and stay it, – because it's like my – that's my hobby. So if I'm not – because I'm always constantly thinking about skydiving. So it's like I love working in the sport, but I, I treat uh, – being able to work in the sport gives you that opportunity to fun jump more than the average person. So – uh, because that because you're there just 24-7. It's like I wake up uh, during the summer, I'm at the drop zone seven days a week yeah. from open to close. It w- I would say, or so back to the original question, yeah. uh, I would say I think in 20, when my first year I showed up, I think I did th- close to 300 fun jumps, maybe a little bit more, just over. And then last year, I think I was close to the same number. Okay. That is, it's a fair number. I remember working full-time early on. I, I started working full-time in the sport in 02. Um, I have any math. Yeah, in 02. Mm-hmm. And it was the same way for me. It was a balance of as much fun jumps as I can do with uh, paid jumps. Yep. And that lasts, I think, till about 05, 06, maybe 07. I started the rating center in 08. So I started in 08. Okay. Cause when I, when I started is that when you got center, your examiner, first examiner no, rating? No, I was an examiner in 05, 06. Okay. And I was a full-time instructor, yep. part-time examiner. And I loved what I did. It was a joy. It was a pleasure. But 
I got a little burnt out, man, doing the same thing every day, day yep, in and day no, out. No, it, for it's just sure. frustrating. You know, we've had talks about this yep. recently about burning out and and maybe your potential future, which I'm still very interested <laughs> in. Just saying. Yeah. So, um, for me, going to become a full time examiner in October, two things happened. First of all, in the summer of '08, I went debt free. I had been in debt and cut up my credit cards in '01. Oh, nice. It took '01 to '08 to get out of debt. I fushnooked myself. <laughs> it was a bad day in a bad place. Fushnooked? Fushnooked. Fushnooked. Okay. That, that I just is like sure that. I heard fushnooked. <laughs> if you've been in any course with me, you know it's my made up Yiddish word for not saying fuck because I can't say oh, fuck I too like many it. times. Okay. So you, you want me to start a tally? You want to start a count over here? No. Okay. Because fushnooked will You just got to do a shot every time it says fushnooked. my favorite word. Um, <laughs> drinking game. How many times can we say fushnooked? Uh, so I went debt-free. I was debt-free for three months, and after yep. three months, I told Valerie, hey, look, these have been my goals. These have been my dreams. I got into skydiving to travel and have a laid-back lifestyle. Instead, I'm at the drop zone 24-7, which I, I enjoyed at the time, but I was done with that version of the lifestyle. Right. Um, I think you guys are really lucky and really blessed at Spaceland because when I was full-time there, back in my day, you young professor, <laughs> um, we Walk were there uphill s- both ways. seven days a week, every day, all the time, yeah. weather holds. We were there. It, it didn't matter, rain or shine. We sat there. The hole that you get a post from Ben Nelson in the morning going, "We're on a weather hold." Yeah, it's pretty nice. Yeah, the fact that you get two guaranteed days off a week, which you can choose not to use, which right. I don't blame you. We never had those options. So, in OA, I decided I needed to change a shift. Mm-hmm. One day I'm an AFF examiner. One day I'm a tandem examiner. One day I'm a canopy coach. Uh, it just my job varies so much more, and giving back exponentially. You you recently started training instructors. Yep. And have helping. you watched the yeah uh, helping? But you're training. <laughs> you're, you're helping, but you're training. You're actually not just sitting there doing what I tell you to do. You land. You debrief them. You're teaching them. Right. Fair statement. Yeah. Then you're I training so. them, man. You're helping training them. I'm helping training. Them, right. But, but you're actually training them. And have you seen the instructors you've trained teach other students? Yeah. How does that make you feel? It's pretty cool. That's a it's a whole. I've never. I never thought I'd be doing that. Dude, it's a, it's an exponential give back. I yeah. sat in the loading area with a bunch of tandems one day. This is in 0809. I still worked a lot of weekends with Spaceland. The staff wasn't as bulky, and they needed the the little bit of extra help. So I joined them on weekends whenever necessary, whenever needed. And I sat in the loading area, and Ben, not Ben Nelson, that guy's an asshole. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what's, what's his name? Matthew Peterson. Matthew uh-huh. Peterson was sitting in the loading area, and he whispers to a student. He elbows him and says, hey, uh, see that guy over there? He trained all of us how to do tandems. And I looked around, and as I looked around, there were six tandems plus <laughs> me. There were seven tandems on the load, and I he trained every single it, yeah. instructor. I'm like... I'm taking seven tandems on a skydive. Right. Essentially, yeah. Yeah. You're giving back the sport exponentially. Uh, Doug, you know Doug Ligner, the guy yep. who runs, uh, uh, some people have called him Dallas DJ. I think they also <laughs> started calling him that at some point. Dallas DJ. Yeah. And uh, except for I'm skinnier and have less hair. So <laughs> um, I thought Doug had a skydive. Oh, that's even better. Now Doug is teaching people how to teach people. Can yeah. so you teach him back in Indiana? I taught him in Greensburg, Indiana. Yep. Okay. So I'll tell you guys more about Doug next week. Doug is actually my guest next week. And oh, next cool. week, Doug and I are going to talk about becoming an examiner. You're already, stuff. you're working on that. Him yep. and I have become it and what it took to become us. Um, the fault, fault, faults we see in the system because every system's full of faults. Right. And the good things. There's a lot of good things in the system and what we hope to, to see change. But... Me to Doug to an instructor to a student. We're right. now looking four generations deep. 
And <laughs> dude, I have never actually done that math yeah, right yeah. now. And wow, that's pretty cool. So I'm on the ground a lot nowadays. <laughs> I, I I learned to balance, but god dang man, I I uh, I've got to affect my sport. Yeah. It defined my life. It's made me who I am today. And so sorry to all of you guys who I turned out to be, but uh, it, it made me. And and I'll own that, man. Um, I'll, I'll own that for sure. I totally just rambled off in a. Second. Don't worry, I got some. <laughs> so when I, I don't remember my first impression with most people that I know. Yeah. Like most, like I can't remember early memories of knowing you, DJ. Because you yelled at me once, Shut and up. then I did. A, <laughs> well, I was I was flying up my parachute like a shithead. Like if I saw someone doing it today, I would say what the same thing you said to me. I would say it to them. You probably but, say it nicer than I did. What then. the fuck so did, did you yeah, do? Maybe, maybe, <laughs> maybe we say it nicer today than we did ten years ago. But Tommy, you're kind of you stand out that way. Where I I definitely remember our first interaction, and I remember yeah. one of the first days that Tommy was <laughs> at the drop zone was uh, when Jump for the Rose was going on. Yep, and that's right. You know how. I mean, skydivers, just in general, most of the staff members, if it comes between going and drinking at the end of the day and staying to help out, most people are going to go and drink, right? But I saw Tommy uh, helping to set up like the Jump for the Rose booths, and he was yep. like wiping down all the tables. No, I remember and, that. And it was, it was in a way like there's some, like, sometimes there's a new person who's trying to put an effort to, to make a good impression, you know, like almost like they're looking over their shoulders. Someone, is someone seeing me do this? But uh, I could tell that Tommy was helping out in a super genuine, like just really wanted to be helpful sort of way. And like most most people, like most people who I end up being friends with, I usually hate them first. <laughs> and I just never had to go through that phase with you. Like just never. So you don't hate me yet, is what you're saying? Yeah. So you, you have potential someday. Are we are we friends? Oh yeah, we're friends. So you totally hated me. Oh at first. dude, I hated your guts. Dude, I got a great picture of you. I'm gonna share on Facebook now. Okay. I good. hate you too. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, wait, no. Did we're you ever not hate Ben? Friends yet, Ben? We still actually hate you. <laughs> Just to be clear, we put up with you because you got the job of manager. So uh, <laughs> you can go ahead and put that away now. See, I don't think with Ben, Ben, I don't think it was like a hate thing. It was more like, who the hell is this guy? Like, <laughs> who does this guy think he is? <laughs> no. no, I told the story when Ben was here. When I first met Ben, he had very few jumps. He was an STP, and his name was Jake back then. Jacob. Yeah. So. Right. Jake, yeah, <laughs> no, Jake's really cool, man. Ben's an a hole. Jake, Jake, never heard great, of her, man. Um, so he was a little bit different. I actually don't remember when you first showed up. You, you, I, I, I guess as I get stuck in the examiner yeah. world, I sometimes get isolated very quickly. Yep. Uh, dude, Billy, Billy Gombosi, man, super nice dude. Yep. Absolutely got nothing but phenomenal <laughs> things to say about Billy, um, except for he grows more hair than me. Um, not much more. Jealous. Not much more. Uh, but I didn't know he worked on staff for like three weeks. I saw this dude <laughs> creeping on our students for three weeks. What's this guy doing? Is he actually talking to a student over there? Yeah. What's he doing? So I started talking to a student. I'm like, all right, what's this guy talking to a student about? <laughs> and so I listened, and he was saying really great things. I'm like, good I for think him. I remember you coming up to me and saying this story. Yeah, and I actually had to ask one of you guys. I'm like, you, he was talking, wasn't he over there drawing, like talking about patterns or something? Yeah, he started getting, like at first it was minor things. Because yeah. he's shadowing Hank. And I just thought it was like a buddy of Hanks. I thought it was a fun jumper visiting. I thought it was a dude. I had no clue. And the more I saw him, the more information he started disseminating to new jumpers. He started telling them all sorts of things. And nothing I heard was bad. Not one thing. But I'm like, who the f <laughs> And I think I walked up to you and a couple of people. I'm like, does anybody know who this dude is? Because yeah. <laughs> whoever it is, he's doing a nice job. 
I'm just and, curious why he's talking to our students. Yeah. yeah, I'm like, why is this <laughs> random guy just just throwing out information? So I don't get to know know all the new guys. I, no, I, I had that a very same or very similar interaction with him, where it was just kind of like, who is this dude? And like, is does he is he work here? Why yeah. does he have that orange shirt on? You know, <laughs> like. But I, I think like AFF instructors that only do AFF, I think they just kind of lay low on the radar for a little bit because yeah. you don't see them in tandem nope. rotation. You know, yeah. maybe they're not running many classes, they're not shooting video, they're just kind of over in that area where you know we have a lot of new STP students, so there are just a lot of fresh faces High over traffic. there a lot of the time. So, so it makes sense. I had a, I don't, uh, I had a similar, similar issue. Adam's dating pool. <laughs> <laughs> Ouch! I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Ponch. That was that was not nice. Panch. <laughs> Panch. I'm sorry, Panch. Yeah, Ponch is somebody up. Poncho. Yep. He's Poncho. supposed to be back. Uh, He's coming back. I think in. He sent me a message on Facebook, and I can't remember when. I think I want to say June. June. Cool Something man. Like that. He uh, the last couple weeks he was around, he definitely started getting in on his own. Started yeah, yeah, no, he's doing really good. Yeah, he he did a great job in his course. When he's not hard on himself, he does no. phenomenal. And when he beats himself up, oh my god, he is brutal to himself. He is the biggest <laughs> dick to him I've ever seen. Yeah, and he doesn't deserve it. He's, right. he's you, you've worked with him. He's oh, really by good. far, he's doing really good. Yeah. The, uh, same thing with Billy. Billy turned his. Not that. It, he wasn't a good instructor before he got here, but he showed up and was. I've never seen anyone that was more willing to, to learn and and show up and actually teach classes and and go all out. It's like, hey, you mind doing this? And he's like, there's never like any hesitation. He's always just the first one to raise his hand. Oh, I'll help. Let me yeah. let me do what I can. He loves the sport. He's got a passion yeah. for what we do. He's got a passion for the people. He wants to share everything he has. So. Dude, it's the hardest thing I've come to find about doing this, and I'm not sure how I do this yet, is I'm... Staying we, on track. We go off... And I don't mind. I don't care <laughs> yeah, where yeah. this conversation goes, but you you ask things, and we bring up things, and I get curious about it. So almost 3,000 jumps in two and a half years of Spaceland. Yeah. When did you get your AFF rating? Now, we're talking about AFF instructors. That kind of brought me back to that mindset. AF, I got my AFF rating in uh, the winter of my first season here. So I got here in, uh, I think it was 2014. Yeah, 2014. The end of 2014 in September. And then sometime during the winter, I got my AFF rating. And then I uh, started doing AFF after that, or STP. Who, were you in your course by yourself? Was that? Yeah, no, it was one-on-one. Okay. Just me and you. Me and mano you. Mano No other evaluators. Nope. No, we had a video guy, and I just yep. got to beat on you. That was it. If I remember right, I beat on you. Yeah, I, but you were you were <laughs> you you pushed you you rose yep. to the occasion every time. And I remember like I was I had scheduled uh, a course, and then uh, the day before I it was like a super busy week or weekend or it was weather I can't remember, but I didn't have all the prereqs done. And I sent you a message and I was like, "Hey, I didn't get any of the prereqs done. Is that going to be an issue?" <laughs> and I remember <laughs> you were like, "Yes, it will be." And I was like, okay, I need to reschedule. <laughs> and you were like, all right, two weeks. Yeah. And it's, you know, over the years, we actually have been told the prerequisites. Mm-hmm. And that's something that just changed is we've always actually had the ability to run the course without the prerequisites, even though it says prerequisites. So that yeah, math doesn't exactly make sense right. to me. So I know plenty of examiners who after the fact will say, you know what, let's do the course and then you do the prerequisites and then we'll sign you off and then we'll take care of you and, and then we'll do everything. That sounds it's kind of backwards, right? Yeah, I agree. And so I've actually, over the years, had people come to me, dude, I have all but one done. And, you know, you got to train like 15 students for prerequisites. Right. I've got all but one or two done. It's luck of the draw. Did that category G or did that die flow 12? Did that exact precise student you need show up? 
and they have one or two missing. I'm like, show up. Yeah, we'll get it sometime during the case. And now they've made they, the board at this last meeting was extremely clear. They're actually now saying you have to have all prerequisites done, all prerequisites done before you start the course. Your membership must be valid. Your license must be valid. Yeah. All those little sign off beforehands must be uh, done. So now we no longer have that that latitude. So I've always held the standard with yep, you don't no. have them all. And I, I think it's you know it's uh, there are prerequisites for a reason. Yeah. <laughs> right. And so it's it's not showing up to the course without him may have not have been beneficial in my opinion because whenever you actually shadow an instructor and you listen to the way they talk, it may not be with the exact way that you agree or something. You're like, before you listen to an instructor say something, they teach something, and you're like, well, I wouldn't have taught it that way. And then you ask them, well, why'd you do it like that? They generally have a good reason. Mm-hmm. And so... That's what I learned whenever I did all those. Did you see the video I put online yesterday? Yes. Did you actually watch the video? I listened for the first couple minutes. I wouldn't have listened any further than that myself. It's like seven <laughs> minutes long. And but I, I liked what it was about. Yeah. And if you listen to the first two or three minutes, you've got the whole gist. Yeah. And the basics of it is is instructors come in with these prerequisite, prerequisites signed off. And do you honestly believe all of the candidates that show up have actually, with the intent of the document, assisted in two level threes? Right. You know, I don't think they have. I think a lot of them have. I think a lot of them have done a great job. I think a lot of them have, have followed through. Um, I was watching Brad Curry. Um, I don't know if you know Brad is... I saw him sitting over the STP area. Not just for that cute girl. Right. Um, Brad Curry wa- is uh, getting his AFF rating. Oh, nice. Tom Jenkins took him on a jump on Saturday, said, hey, here's what a little peak of AFF is like. Oh, nice. Tom Brad- Jenkins played b- bad student. He played bad student. Uh, Brad said he Very was disappointed cool. in the exit. I said, I'll take you on a <laughs> ride. <laughs> so Sunday we make a jump. Imagine Tom Jenkins has a hard time doing a bad exit. Um <laughs> Tom actually had told me when he landed, I did a jump with Brad, but he didn't hang him out. He he wanted to push the limits, but not too far. Yeah, he wanted to give him a taste and let him really feel like he could do it. Yeah. And then Brad hung out with me Saturday night. He crashed here, and he's like, "Dude, I want to taste how bad this gets. I want to see if a schnook at exit. I want to see everything." Yeah, yeah. So I did everything but rollovers. I mean, I took the exit on uh, probably a couple rotations tumble. Yeah. And I arched through it so he could wrestle it out and fly it out. Right. Um, halfway through, he was wrestling, and halfway through, he just held on and went back to flying. And I told him, "It's fly your body, trust your grips." Yeah. And then when he let go of me, I put my feet as far on my butt as I could. And you know how fast you yep. can backslide. Yeah. He <laughs> stayed within five feet of me. Oh, after you release you? Yeah, dude. Oh, release nice. And me going as fast as I can backwards. And you know how fast yeah, I can yeah, go backwards. No, I know. Within five feet of me. He could be a little bit quicker to respond. But I beat on him, gave him a spin stop. He kills it. Yeah. So he lands. He goes, okay, now I know what to work on. Now I know my challenges. Cool. When do you want to start prepping for the course? We got students to train right now? And he went straight at it. Right on. Chris Fudal was trained in a level one. Hank was trained in a level six. And both fellas took the time to actually involve and interact with him a little bit. Yeah. And then Brad walked away and says, I don't want to count that as my sign off. I want to do that a couple times. Even better. As I saw a candidate who did the right thing, as I saw instructors, Chris Fudal and Hank, man, mad props to them, who yeah. did the right thing. I uh, decided doing that video was a good idea. We, we need to better train ourselves and prepare ourselves. For so sure. you finally show up prepared. I know I sign off, uh, like, I know I've signed off cards where it's like, where I'm, like, if, if an instructor's like, on a, I'm on a 25-minute call, and I have, like, my entire, uh, like, itinerary of what I need to get done before we take off, 
to and an instructor walks up and says, "Hey, can I can you sign on? Like, I need to do this for my rating." I'm, you know, it's on a Saturday, and there's like yeah. I have four other students that are waiting on me. I'm gonna be like, "Yeah, sure," and I'm not gonna really include them too much on that. Yeah, and that's a, I I know personally I have to to try to work on that. And one thing I would actually advise anybody who wants to become an instructor because they come to you all the time. Um, I actually direct them to the chief instructor. So mm-hmm. uh, Steve Roger was the first person I did that to. Now now you. Uh, the thing I would encourage anybody to do is show up at eight o'clock in the morning. Oh, for sure. When all the instructors have. 10 15 minutes to say this is what you're going to do this is how i'm going to use you and they can yeah teach you teach them what to say to the student and then watch them do it if you jump in midstream it's get dropped in the middle of a river and start exactly yeah (laughs) you know swim from the shore and you got time to build the pace time to build the rhythm and so anybody who's listening to this or has the, the sad life of watching us um that's like 26 people 25 i don't have my reading glasses um, 20 is my family. 20 is my family. Uh, I have What's no family. family? And, and Jet Boy has joined us too. So 20 is your family and 21 is Jet Boy. Jet Boy. So uh, show up at 8 o'clock and actually take the time to spend all day with an instructor. Stay with the same instructor all day through the process if you can. If you can get with an instructor who has a level 1, 2, or 3 and train them all the way through 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10 jumps in a day, yeah. that would be a much better learning curve. So you now rocking that chair. Do you yeah. hear that squeak on the mic at all? Uh, yeah, Chris? I hear a little bit of that squeak. A little squeak. bit. Yeah, a little <laughs> yeah. squeak. I, I actually keep looking around to see, like, am I making that noise? <laughs> no, it's me. Is that no, no. It's totally this chair. I, well, I think that there might be something that squeaks outside, too, because sometimes I hear a squeak, and I look around, and I pull the headphones off, and I'm like, where the hell is it? <laughs> I think something else squeaks outside. But yeah, I hear that chair. It's <laughs> definitely that chair. And there's a uh, the AC big outdoor condenser, whatever unit is right outside this Ma- Yeah, that might house. be it. So... Um, you show up to the course. You yep. finally two two weeks late. Yep. And I actually let you keep your deposit. Yeah. Yeah. For the record, if you uh, notify me within forty eight hours of the start of the course, you lose your deposit. Yeah. And I'm very happy to keep the hundred dollars. I don't mind it one bit. Um, dude, I keep my wife happy somehow, and those hundred dollar deposits go to I buy bet. her gifts, flowers. Whenever yeah. you get flowers, Valerie, somebody biffed the deposit. That's how it <laughs> works out. <laughs> um, or That's fancy smart. dinner. Fancy That's dinner. Smart. So you show up to the course, it's one-on-one. Um, now you graduate, you're the instructor. Who was the chief instructor when you started doing AFL? K-Riss. K-Riss. Oh, my God, I forgot he was the chief instructor. Yep. Yeah, K-Riss. And he did a great job, man. Man, he, phenomenal. He was yeah. such I, – I learned so much just by listening to to him and, and listening to the way he taught because, man, he was – yeah. I thought he was the best instructor. Because his ability to connect with a student was like – the best. Yeah, connect with a student. That's what you thought that. I didn't say it. Um, I think he got a little more burnt out about it towards the end. But, man, when he was hot, when he was on it, he, he had absolutely passion. And I, we saw him recently visit. Yeah. And uh, he'd gone through some personal problems, some, some issues with USPA and whatever. And, and they're all gone, said and done. The thing that I thought was cool is he put it all aside. Yeah. I don't know if he talked to you about it. I heard about it, yeah. yeah. He, told me. he came to me because I could officially help him in some capacity. And, dude, I did what I did. I effed up. I ate my pie. I move on. How do we fix these things? Yeah. And it seems like he's got passion back. And I hope he gets back to doing AFF because I know he did a great job with Man, super good instructor. Yeah. He was. And it, I, I set in on a couple of his first jump courses. And I feel like I teach my first jump course the exact same way he does or did. Huge compliment. Yeah. 
As an examiner, I look back at my old instructors and I actually emulate a gal named Carmen Molnick. She did a phenomenal job. To this day, I emulate her. To this day, I use her for an example. And courses, I'll refer to her. And I've actually had the uh, privilege of talking to her. I've had a phone call with her in 2013. Mm -hmm. My old DZO, my first DZO, we were sitting at the board meeting together. We were sitting in the back in the peanut gallery. He calls her up and hands me the phone. She has no clue it's me. She thinks it's Buzz. Buzz Fink oh. is Buzz Fink. That's an awesome name. <laughs> Buzz Fink is my first DZO. And she answers. I'm like, hey, Carmen, I don't know if you know me. It's DJ Marvin, if you remember. And she remembers me. She's yeah. like, I've been following you. I've been keeping track. And she was a cool lady. That's cool. You work with K-Risk for how long? How long were you working underneath him? Say <laughs> at least <laughs> underneath, underneath him. Yes, Ben. Behind. No. Behind. <laughs> In front. No, uh... I think it was like for six or eight months. Close. Okay. Yeah. And in that time, man, you focused heavy, heavy on STP. For sure, because the it was a whole, it was fresh, it was brand new. I really, I, it was like, a, and when I first showed up here, I was really interested in, uh, in getting my AFF rating and teaching people how to skydive. I've always wanted to get it. And then uh, showing up to Spaceland, the STP program, second to none. You know the best in the world. I I think so, and uh, and so I just went into it full force. I any anybody that needed a class during the week, I was the first one to. Oh, I'll teach it. I'll teach it because I just looked at it as like experience. And the more students that I could get, the more jumps I would make. Not necessarily just for the more money I would make, but for uh, the more jumps I was. And that was what I was really hungry hungry for when I first showed up here. Is is getting jump numbers. I wanted to get my jump numbers up, and uh, I'm still pretty adamant about that. And I feel like if uh, if they were just like, "Oh, we're not going to pay you guys anymore" or whatever, I would still don't say it out loud. <laughs> Do not let anybody <laughs> hear out loud that you'd say what you just say. I wouldn't work for money if I had to. <laughs> I got a thumbs up. All right, I'm I not actually think Stephen Boyd is watching this. He was last time I checked, and if Steve Boyd sees this at all. <laughs> He just heard you're gonna work. Man, for free. no, because I just want to get my jump because I want to make as many jumps as I can. That's at the end of the day, when people are like, "Oh, what would you rather do more of?" Like, if you want to do AFF tandems or video, and it's just like whatever's the busiest, whatever I can do the most of in a day, because I honestly can't stand sitting still. You can ask Sam. That's what I'm probably the worst about. We actually hear that answer all the time. What do you want to do today? More video, more tandem, more. I want to do what makes me the most jumps. Yeah. And when most people say the most jumps, they think money. They think dollar signs. And yeah. That's what they're saying. And you, you could care less about the dollar sign. I mean, you need it. It needs, yeah. And by all means, like you need to, to be able to pay for stuff and to, because skydiving is the least, uh, it's the most expensive thing you can do. It seems like, <laughs> dude, man, it's like crack, it's like crack. Yeah. So you just do it for the pure pleasure and love of jumping, then. Pretty much, I like to say that. Yeah. So. I, I want to interject a question here. So, do you remember when you first decided that you wanted to be an SCP or an AFF instructor? Yeah. What, what, how long ago was that? Oh, I mean, whenever I, pretty much, like as as long as I can remember, like yeah, I would do AFF. Okay. Like, that was always like I would totally do that. So imagine, imagine you on that day. Yeah. The the the, the day that you decide, yeah, this this is what I want to do. So now uh, I'm gonna segue for a second. You just said that you'd think that the S the Spaceland STV program is the best program that there is in the world. Yep. And I know that you believe that. I know that you think that that's true. Yeah. So let's say that you could go back to however many years ago, brand new skydiver Tommy, who's thinking about 
about being an AFF instructor. Like how how excited is that kid to be the person in charge of of no, Spaceland's SCP sure. department? Like, that's like a, do, do you think about that when you think about like how far you've come and like you know the not really. I guess in? like I I never really stop and think about it because I'm always pretty uh, worried about like trying to do better. So I mean I'll take a moment and think about it for a little bit, and I'm definitely proud that. I've come where I am, and like I think about myself whenever I was like 15 or 16. I remember people asked me what I wanted to do for a living, and I never <laughs> would have expected if someone was like, "Yeah, you're gonna become a skydiving instructor and and work in Houston, Texas, and and be, you know, uh, an instructor at a, at a really nice drop zone out there." I never would have expected that at all. So that's a pretty cool, pretty cool thing. It's it's a world class facility. I I came to Spaceland for I think the same reason you probably did. I was attracted to what they were doing with the student program. Yes, but um, I yeah, and and Nick took exactly where we wanted to go. Is now you're doing this. It, I, I'm Brad Curry now. Brad Curry's going to stay part time. I, I he's got a great job. He loves the yeah. life he has. I'm Brad Curry's coming in to do with this part. Do this part time. Or I'm Brockton. Brockton is talking about getting his AFF rating one day. Shredder. He's, you know, taking pieces at a time. He, he's not in a rush for everything. What advice would you give people who want to become instructors? Like, first of all, I have 50 jumps. What should I do to get ready to become an instructor? Let's start with that. All right. Uh, man, getting on uh, organized group jumps, because that's where I feel like the fundamental of skydiving is everyone's so quick to to want to just go out and have fun or, and, and by all means skydiving is about having fun, but, but get on, on jumps. That's, that's going to progress you flying wise and not just, uh, advancing as in like moving to free flying or flying, sit flying or head down. Because at the end of the day, if you can't fly relative with someone on your belly, then you probably can't fly relative with someone in any other, any other orientation. So, I think it always goes back to just having a really good fun uh, understanding of the fundamentals, like getting really good at the basics and then moving on from there. So just really working on doing uh, formation skydiving and and doing that because you build up those necessary skills in order to do everything, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does, man. I think uh, of Brad, Brad Crary mentioned yeah. him. When he first started skydiving their first year himself, uh, Stacy. Uh, I don't know if you know Mike Hedger. He shoots the video for DeGuayo. Yes. A guy named Pete Ritsu who just started coming back out again. Pete is probably five to ten years older than me, uh, middle-aged guy, a little bit shorter. You'll see me hanging out with him here and there. They all started a team together uh, called BS5, and their video guy slash coach was Demo. Yeah. And this is Demo's early days of four-way coaching. Demo's oh, nice. getting his feet wet. They're getting their feet wet. And where they all went from there, they're phenomenal flyers, they're phenomenal belly flyers, free flyers, whatever discipline they choose to chase, they were good at. And then look at today. Today is boobs. And who doesn't love boobs? Right, yeah. You know, babes on our belly skydiving. The best name ever. Yeah, that's what it stands for, right? Babes it's, on our belly skydiving. Yeah. Um, you look at those girls, and I, first of all, Amber Taylor and Erica Dufour, and not Dufour, that's the wrong Erica. Holy, do you know, you don't know Bar that Erica, do you? Barzak, yeah. Erica Barzak, yeah. Bar, is yeah. Bar what River? What is Clint's Bar new, ma Barzak. new name? I know his maiden name is Moore. 
Um, Barzak, Barchak. Oh my God, are you implying that Clint took her name? I uh, do. Yes. My last name is Ruta. I took Valerie's name. That's what those <laughs> of us men who are well kept are called. No, we, we, us kept men, are, we, we do that. Um, uh, Erica and uh, what Debbie, they've all excelled. Yes. They've all gotten really, really good. I remember good. when Amber and Debbie just, they were, they're recent graduates. Like, I feel like just. Not too long ago, they were getting their A license, right? Yeah, like and when they I first showed up here, got real bored real quick in a good way. They were like, "Man, these things I want to cool. keep going." Yeah, but I want to be better than that. Climbing the ladder, and they did four ways. So if I told anybody anything, four ways a great example. Yes. Um, another good example of the people you talk about is Justin Grubbs, who is helped Valerie run in the mentor program. Now he did, whether it was Chuck Ways, whether it was organized jumps with yep. this guy, whether it was coaching from these people, tunnel time with Scott Ladness, and getting coaching with him. Uh, he worked in the mentor program and, and sometimes aspect of being a mentee and then turn around being a mentor. All those high levels of training, he does whatever he wants now. Yeah. So a guy with 50 jumps, you're saying get those fundamentals down, get those basics down. Yeah, get some organizing uh, or be organized, yeah. I guess you say. Like, this kind of works out great. Go and do those jumps. Yeah, be, get, get structure. Yes. Work. Yeah, yeah. So it works out perfect because Glenn Downing just actually joined the chat, and and Glenn is the perfect example of the next person. Yep. I have 500 skydives, and he just got his 500 jumps, so congratulations to that. But um, I got 500 skydives. I want to get my rating, and that's Glenn's goal. That's Glenn's direction, and dude, I've been watching the guy. I'm Dude, he shot Ripper. video. I you, remember. You, yeah, I was watching some of the videos he dude, was doing during the AFF course. He crushed it. He shot better video during his first AFF course than you did, yep. than Ben did, yep. than Nick did, and all of you guys did a phenomenal job. Yep. Glenn crushed it. I got 500 jumps. I'm Glenn Downing, the man in the van. Yep. What do I do to get ready for a course? <laughs> yes, the man in a van. <laughs> I do have a little bit of van envy. I'm just going to put that out there. Dude, it's a nice van. It's a nice setup. But the man in a van. The man in the van. Yeah, it's just That's, how I think of him. I thought you were saying band for a second. No, like, He's in a band? In a van down by the drop zone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, yeah, I mean, we someone just wanted to get their instructor rating, just mirror some instructors, hang out, listen to Malfunction Junction, and... And just kind of keep an ear out and listen to what's going on. And then flying-wise, uh, jumping with younger jumpers, believe it or not, I think is a, a huge thing because you learn how to not only teach without teaching. Because even when you go out and you do a jump with someone that is just like 50 jumps and you're just like, okay, let's just go do whatever. And then you get down, they're going to ask you some questions. And then your ability to just connect with someone that – that it has few jumps or no understanding of something that you're going out and doing, you're, believe it or not, teaching yourself how to teach other people. So the more you can uh, put yourself out there into, uh, I guess, like the... Mentor role. Yeah, mentor role. Yeah, there you go. That's a good way of saying it. And then uh, you're, you're putting yourself out there and you're putting yourself in that situation where you can uh, teach other people and... And uh, I would put a caveat on that, and just it comes down to I, I haven't been training instructors in an extremely long time 11 years now. I've been training instructors, so <laughs> right. I mean, that's not extremely long. I, I've got buddies who've been like training instructors long. longer than I've been skydiving. Yeah, you know, Brom, who owns Skydive Ratings, has been doing ratings since the mid 90s. I didn't skydive till, till, till 97, till the late 90s, so um, a short while, 11 years. Yeah. Um, I think there's a good balance between being the worst person on a skydive, about two-thirds of your jump, 
being the best person on skydive, about a third of your jump. In reality, that balance will never meet because you're going to be the mediocre person a lot of times. Right. But if you can be goal-oriented, if you can be focused on two-thirds of being the best and one-third of being the worst, then you're constantly... Uh, I'm sorry, one-third being the best and two-thirds being the worst. I said that backwards. Two-thirds of the time, you should be the worst yep. because everybody's pulling you up. Everybody's getting you better. You're working on your skills. On. And then yeah. you go and you pay it back. Yes. For sure. And, I mean, total shameless plug at this point, you know, for my wife, Valerie, who runs the mentor program. Uh, dude, I've watched guys who have worked in the mentor program start getting their ratings and night and day difference on their ground presentations really? and ground preps. Yeah. Because their confidence in talking with students in front of people, stuff like that, yes. organizing, and, and knowing the levels of people and just being able to read people, believe it or not, that's a... That's a huge thing whenever you're going to yeah. teach students and stuff. You know, mentors are getting people who are just licensed, 25 jumps. So they're learning to fly with people who can't do anything with you. Right. You know, so you're compensating for them a lot. You're helping for them a lot. Um, and th that's been a huge help. So I, I can pimp the pin mentor program enough as a mentee to use it to get free coaching. I mean, how many fucking drop zones do you know? Not mm -hmm. the schnooka, Nick. Fucking drop zones, <laughs> do you know, who are actually giving away free coaching every day? None. I can't think of any off the top of my head. Maybe Spaceland Dallas or maybe Spaceland Atlanta. Yeah. Any <laughs> or Spaceland Spaceland. And that's it. What's been cool is Spaceland has been a trend center, a setter. There are people now contacting Valerie and myself about what are you guys doing with the mentor program? Where are you guys going? What's really? the, what's the structure and what do you do? And within reason, we share information, you know. Some of what we do is specifically for Spaceland and we love that relationship. I mean it's Spaceland's my home, and if anybody thinks I don't have pride in that place, then they can get fucked. Yeah, I feel like we do a lot of <laughs> we do a lot of Spaceland tooting of the horn while we talk here. Yeah, but I think that a lot of that is just coincidence that we all we all are here for a reason because we yeah. do do genuinely enjoy working here. But just to talk about the mentor program, like when there's when there's a student in the loading area, oh, I'm gonna put me on camera. Hang on, am I there? God, I'm so there. Uh, when there's a student in the loading area who has 100 jumps, who I know was heavily involved in the uh, mentor program, I can tell a big difference between that person and the student who just got their license, went out and did a bunch of solos, and just started to try and be a free flyer right off the bat. Oh, no. <laughs> who, hey, uh, Ben or Sam, you guys want to come into the hot seat? Oh, Ben's all over it. Hang on. See, this ruined it. I really... Oh, my God. So I've actually never seen anybody so excited to run to be in front of a camera in my life than Ben Nelson. I'm yeah. helping. So since you totally ruined my point, I'm going to bring it back up. But the, the, a student who has gone through the mentor program is so much like, God, Ben, I can't take you seriously. They're so much more aware in the loading area. You see them asking questions about loading uh, order. Yeah. Uh, they just have a totally different demeanor than someone who's uh, gone and done all those solos, and they're just, just sitting out there, uh, just not really involved. It's, yes. fu it's funny you say that, because uh, I had a conversation the other day with somebody from another drop zone, and I, I have a lot of friends at other drop zones. And so, uh, typically speaking, there's a giant pussy in the video. Quit talking uh, about gen DJ, generally speaking, generally speaking, I the comments that I get from people uh, from other drop zones. <laughs> yeah. Isn't it hard to make a point when everybody else is laughing about other stuff? Okay, <laughs> keep going. Oh, uh, your friends. Your fr these, I'm helping these friends at other drop zones. Oh, look, little Tommy's back. There's Tommy. Are you coming back to the seat, Tommy? Yes. 
So Ben has some friends stuff on the drop zones. Yeah, stuff is cool and things. <laughs> so we actually have right, called uh, Nick. Out? Yeah, his boner pillow. <laughs> we call Nick Mr. P. <laughs> and next week, Mr. P is going to be filled in for by Mr. D. We will call <laughs> Ben Nelson Mr. D. And you can just Ooh. take a while. Guess what the D is for. Um, hey, that has some very serious implications about what the P is for. Uh, P is for a good time. Producer, producer, Mr. Oh, producer. Yes, the P is what I just went and did. Oh, yes. how was it? It's great. I was okay. actually getting distracted reading the. Uh, what is it? The what is what your, is your poo, poo telling, telling you? you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's the other book of my recipe? Uh, this the history of farting. That's right. It's pretty That's good. Right. I was actually like flipped through it and I was like, I wonder what, if I can say anything, but it was a poem about farting. Like the ill wind <laughs> brings no good. That's all I remember. Very serious liter- literature on hand in the Marvin bathroom. You bet. I have a picture of a sheep sticking out his tongue on the wall above the toilet. <laughs> uh, the history of farting and yep. what's your poo telling you. History of Farting is by Dr. Benjamin Bart, who I don't know who he is. Bart? Benjamin Bart? But I've had Benjamin that book Bart. that long, and uh, I don't know who else touched it, so did you wash your hands? Yes, I did. So I'm big on washing my hands. Nick, you, you made a huge point, and people who it's go through the mentor program come out of the program, and they know, what's my loading order? They know oh, yeah. who to ask. They know what to check with. And, and, and they're much more aware than people who don't. And, and people who don't go through the mentor program, we do see them that aware, just not as a large majority. And he was asking Ben, how do you feel about that? What's your thoughts? on? Oh, I totally agree. And, uh, it comes down to like, if you're everyone's it's, Oh, it's someone's hundredth jump. Let's just go do a big round. I hear that all the time. And people, it's like if, and then you go to get on the airplane, like I'm going to be last diver, but then they're the last ones to get in the airplane. And then you're like, have you ever loaded an airplane with another group? <laughs> Have you ever, like, like does this not make sense? Like, when you're walking to the airplane, you're expecting someone that's going to be the last diver to get in before you. And then they don't. Then it's just like, But hmm. I want to sit by the door. Right? Yeah. And then you're... Which is the best seat. It, yep, be I agree. And so you learn those, those small things, like how to load an airplane, how to uh, accommodate for for those kind of those types of scenarios like you know what your group's going to be doing uh someone asks turns around and says hey how much time should we give your group you need to be able to give them an answer and if you just say well i don't know then it's not going to be uh very helpful so i feel like when people and and then go going back to where they say let's just go build a big round and then there's so many people that don't understand like how formation skydiving works and it's not because they're not capable they're just unaware and yes. so you need to have those basic skills to just go out and do those jumps, just to go out and chase a tandem whenever you have the right amount of experience. What, you know, I think it's, what is it, 500 jumps if you don't have a coach rating? Coach rating in 300 or 500 total. Yep. And you have to be a competent skydiver. You can't just go if you have 500 jumps. doesn't give you the, the ability to go with any tandem or whatever. And if, so if you have a friend come out and you want to chase him and you want to actually be there and take a dock on him, that's where you learn those basic skills at the beginning, learning how to fly up to a formation. How many know. times have you been on a tandem, um, you or, or Mr. P or myself, and dude's like, yeah, man, I got the qualifications to go swoop this tandem, and they come join the Scariest friend. skydives oh, yeah. ever. And they're nowhere near. They're, no, dude. Yeah, they're nowhere near, and they, they, <laughs> I, I, I've started tr- trying to give a briefing to the person in that situation of, hey, if you can approach this way, I can see you. And, uh, you know, give them a, a few tips about how what they can do to make, keep it safe and make it go well for them. And almost always, almost always they 
dive too far. They yep. they don't slow down soon enough, and then they just either side slide away or they pop up somewhere behind me, and so now I don't know where they are level wise or scary scene yeah. when you're a videographer. Yeah. So and you're shooting a video, so like you, you can't, can't really look away, yeah. like you're trying to film the tandem still. But yeah, that's I've been uh, pretty terrified in those moments. It's uh, in, in mentor program. At some point, they're going to talk about staying in the approaches, stair stepping in, how to approach a formation. We start within the STP program, and the coach jumps with USP or whoever, whoever you jump with. We start at some point, but we continue and we really raise that level in the mentor program. And then with other people like Raul and Tom Jenkins doing big way camps, they teach you those ideas. And if people who jump with tandems would understand that stadium approach, it's the exact same. Yeah, they wouldn't blow by us. Um, you say scariest stories ever. I had a hundred skydives, plus or minus probably 10 when my girlfriend went on a skydive and the instructor, a really good buddy of mine said, sure, DJ, come and join us. And in hindsight said, I told you to join us because I thought there was no chance in hell you would catch us. <laughs> Dude, I actually touched the drogue. <laughs> I'm not saying this. Even better. So you did it wrong. <laughs> yes. I'm not saying this as a so point of well. smart pride. I wasn't good. I, I go by. Uh, he holds a drogue forever, and that was part of his goal. I'm gonna hold the drogue so to DJ really hose you. Make it. Yeah. Fish, so you're fishnooked. Yeah, I'm fishnooked. <laughs> exactly. You know, people who don't know what holding the drogue is, the tandem instructor doesn't throw the drogue for the first 15 seconds, then throws it. So I'll never catch up to these guys. Right. And I'm diving my butt off. I started free flying when I had 20 jumps, so I'm not the best free flyer, but. You know, 80 jumps, I could hold a set solid. Um, there's plenty of video of me out there actually taking docks. It's just something I, I, I'm not good on my back, on my belly, and head down. Sit. I've always been able to do. <laughs> yeah. Don't know why. Um, so I, I, I'm in a sit in a stand just bombing down to him. I get down. I overshoot him just a little bit. Taz is a beefy dude, so he falls quick as heck. I uh, belly out, and they go blowing right by me. And I'm thinking, I'm going to get close. I'm going to get close. I'm going to get close. I didn't think about levels before getting close. I flew right up to the drogue. And I mean, touched it. Not on purpose. Wasn't in control. It just went, yeah. like backslid right off of the thing. Scared the piss out of me, man. It's a scary thing to see in free fall. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> when I, you're really close. Have you had any of the uh, of DJ I've had a, I've had a couple. Well, not a couple, but I would say one drogue in my face that stands out. Yeah. <laughs> There's I, a story. That was with Brad Womack. Yeah. Yep. And he, uh, we exit, and I can't remember exactly what happened, but at, at one point, we come out of the plane, and I think I was late on the count, so I was in his burble, and he looked over his shoulder, and I, it looked like I to him as if I was going out of the burble, but I was just on my back, doing whatever, and I I remember going trying to go back to my head, and I just felt like I was just getting sucked into this vortex that was above <laughs> them. And then eventually I saw the I saw him reach back for the drogue and I just remember closing my eyes and and, and bracing for it and I just see a, a bridle in front of me and I grabbed the bridle and then slid down the <laughs> like a fireman pole. Like a like a stripper pole, oh, I always what I would say. Did you twerk it when you got to the bottom? A little bit. That's I like awesome. the way you twerk it. <laughs> I was working in Indiana, and a guy named Saba, we called him the Italian Stallion. The dude is just stout, man. Works <laughs> out nonstop. First day there. Yo, Saba. And, and this is, when I was a young videographer, I really was worried about the instructor's count. Just had an idea. And today, I'm just like, when you leave, I'll leave. It, it's, right. it's like students. It's just when things go, go. And Saba's like, my count is, and he gives an arm count. Ready, set, goal. That's my Italian accent. And um, so was, it like, was it was his count like this? 
Ready. So like, it was yeah. out. It was like our STP count, actually. It was an arm count. Ready, yeah. set, go. I'm like, at that pace, yeah, at that speed, yeah, cool. How long before you throw the joke? Oh, I always wait five seconds. Great. Now, we all shoot video, or I, I've shot video, and we know you can't trust a tandem instructor. You do your job. You stay out of the way. You go where you go. You have jobs to do in places it's not to be. Yeah. Saba gets in the door, and his count was this. I mean, dude, I thought he was polishing the table. What was that? And he leaves. As soon as he leaves, I'm like, what the? And I let go of the plane, and I'm stacked right above him. Yeah. And we're not one second off the plane, and he throws that stupid drogue. It bounces <laughs> off my body, blows by my head. The bridle comes up into my face. Oh, my ring no. sight was mounted, thank God, by nylon screws. If you said oh, yeah, the yeah, uh, yeah. safety day, Daniel and Gula yeah. pumped, pimped those nylon screws, those nylon screws probably saved my life. Because it snapped that sucker off. Um, my neck was jacked for two weeks. I had people working on it nonstop for two weeks. And I, and I was okay. Yeah. Um, my fault for being where I shouldn't be and listening to the guy about his count. I do Saba. I worked with him for a year. I'll work with him again. I nothing bad to say. That was, that was a bad incident. Yeah. Um, scary things happen. People get experience before you jump with tandems. No, for sure. That's one one piece of advice for every tandem instructor out there who's ever uh, given a, a bad count like that. My favorite thing a, a good instructor who's given a good count is someone who says with their mouth, "Ready, set, go." That's something that almost always smooths out that timing. Yes. And you know whether they're doing a body count or a hand count, it keeps it consistent and keeps them from doing. A, uh, Grandpa used to do that same thing. Love him to death, Mr. Chad Sanders. Oh yeah, dude! But, I wish yeah, he, he would come back. He's, he's a he's he a good great. guy. Yeah. He was a great uh, TI yeah. to jump with. I always teach people say ready, set, arch, just because it reminds a student to arch. But yeah, but, but verbalization. Any, any, yeah. So as a you know when you're when you're going with someone uh, who d has a lot of movement as they set up in the door, sometimes you don't really know when that ready when is. That like, was is, that yeah, a ready? Yeah. Was that a ready? And they're just moving. Before all you know the it, place. you're out. Yeah, so, we're going. Yeah, they they just let go. But uh, the instructors that give that that verbal cue, I think they especially ready set arch. I think Very they deliberate. get a better arch mm -hmm. from their student when that's the last thing they hear as they leave the airplane, and uh, makes for a lot better teamwork with a with a videographer. It's uh, so much easier if, if TIs and, and videographers would think of it as a team job and. You know, the whole story actually brings me to a thing I actually want to talk to you about. Uh, we're going to talk about work for one second. I mean, we're here. We're, <laughs> have uh, we stopped? Yeah, yeah, have we stopped? Um, but in, in tandem instructor training, you've been through this. Uh, Mr. D over there has been through this. But yes, what do you do as a tandem instructor if you have somebody stuck in your drogue? You throw your drogue, you look back, and oops, I threw my drogue around Nick Lot. Wow, that really sucks. So we have very thorough EPs for the tandem instructor to deal with. Strip it's actually rate. saved, strip the right, yeah. It's actually saved right. somebody uh, about two or three years ago in Israel. A tandem pair had this happen. Freshly minted tandem instructor threw the drogue, drogue bridle wrapped around the tandem uh, videographer around the ankle. And the tandem instructor did exactly as he was trained. He was trained by a guy named Shlomo, who was very thorough. Oh, very he's the guy anal. that was the, he was the pilot that was here. Is that no, no, oh, different God. Shlomo. No, I'm no, no. I'm glad it was a different Shlomo. No, no, a different Shlomo. <laughs> Yo, but that pilot um, saved my buddy's life. Yeah, did he? Yeah, he was the my buddy was the one that was hanging from a. The That's the, that really is the same Shlomo. That's the same. I mean, yeah, that was the the same Shlomo that was uh, that pilot. Yeah. All right. Wow. In Israel. Yeah. So was sketchy things flew my buddy, in Israel. Flew my <laughs> it was totally fishnooked. But yeah, he flew him around for 10 minutes until they were almost out of gas. And then he started doing zero Gs with him, lightened up the load, and the tandem pair fell off of the strut. Amazing story. 
Dude, Shlomo and Israel, apparently not a Hands good combination down. right now. Um, so we got video of this, the videographer's account of the drug around his ankle and what the tandem instructor's job was to do there. And then the videographer had to deal with the mess afterwards. And very recently, I say recently, in the last one to two weeks, we've gotten permission to share that internally as far as as an examiner. Mm-hmm. I can now show it to my candidates. I can now oh, show it nice. to people I'm training. But we can't disseminate it. You know, we, we don't want people recording it. We don't get it out. The DZO from that drop zone was very gracious in sharing these. Um, I'm very thankful. I wish more DZOs would do that. You know, we're, we're learning together. Nobody's critiquing or judging. And, and actually, I'm judging how good these guys do. So back to Mr. P., Yes, sir. We don't train tandem videographers this emergency procedure, do we? Yeah, there's no. Okay. No, I, I mean, I think because uh, being a videographer isn't an actual rating, even though yeah. there are experience requirements, there's no rating, there's no course, there's no, you know, there's no formal instruction really other than, yeah, when you're, when you're going to chase your first tandem, you're going to go talk to an experienced video flyer and you're going to get some tips and some pointers. But no, as far as drilling any sort of VPs, uh, no, nothing like that. Next time you guys have a tandem uh, or video department meeting, let me know. Um, We'll see how available I am. If I'm available, I'd love to join you guys for five or ten minutes and share this thought process with the videographers and let them know if for some weird effed up reason you're stuck in somebody's droge or bridle, this is what they're going to do. And then in return, what you can expect and what you should be ready to do so or or not do. (laughs) So... Um, let's let's get together. Let's figure out a time. Uh, let me know when your next tandem instructor meet or videographer meeting That's is. A good idea. Roger, and uh, we'll get that going. We'll get that going on all, all night long. Who? Jeremy Curry. Okay. Yeah, yeah, Jeremiah Curta. Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, what's up, Jeremiah, man? That's cool. Yeah. Um, good for him. Jeremiah, the redheaded guy <laughs> who worked on maintenance for a while, loader. Yeah. Um, so now you're the chief instructor, and, and this is kind of we keep going back to full circle. Uh-huh. You are teaching people, or you're running the program. What was? And I'm sorry, I'm going to go one step even further back into your AFF course. During your AFF course, what was the hardest, most challenging part for you besides showing up with your uh, prerequisites done? <laughs> uh, besides waking up early, <laughs> dude, I like. Afternoons, I hate mornings. Yeah, no. I, I start courses at eight o'clock because I fucking hate eight o'clock. Yeah, but you need it. But dude, I like six a lot o'clock. Of information, yeah, yeah. The, uh, I think the the ground stuff was was really pretty challenging because I had never done any, uh, I guess, really thorough like training or like briefing, debriefing, uh, like any actual coaching beforehand. So I feel like if you could get some background in that that would definitely help being able to to debrief someone correctly and not just all of a sudden you're trying to to teach someone that has eight thousand skydives how they're (laughs) supposed to correctly arch you're like well you just need to arch just do it just arch me and just do it and that goes back to like that that prerequisite actually getting people to do these briefings do these trainings uh i would love to see People get it signs off. It signs off. Train two category C's or Spaceland calls them two level threes. Yep. You have to assist in training two of those. If I had my way, if I could convince people to do things the way I would like to see them do it, they would assist in one and half 
half, 50-50. And the other one, they would completely do the training. And then the majority of the training, of course, the instructors are at all times. The right. instructor supervising the whole thing. Nothing wrong with getting this done this way. And then they come in the experience. Because now, if you have the ground training out of the way, you can focus on skydiving. Yep. And you killed it. You crushed it. You, you blew the course away. Uh, you definitely were impressive. But we're pushed to our limits flying. Yeah. You know, I don't know. I don't remember uh, what you were like, but I know Brad Curry landed from his jump on Sunday out of breath. Oh, yeah. No, for sure. And I was constantly thinking yeah. uh, how not only physically stressful it is, but mentally. Man, you're fatigued because you got to remember when to dock, when not to dock. <laughs> uh, the end of the skydive. Oh, how does the bottom end dance go? Uh, one thousand. What am I on the main <laughs> side, re- reserve side? There's so much going on, and uh, man, just yeah, just practicing on the ground is, I think, the best. Yeah. Today's a no-brainer for you now, though. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. And then by the time once you go through the course, and you had always told me this, like whenever you have your real student, you're gonna hear my voice in your head whenever a student forgets to check their altitude or it's the end of the skydive and there's time for them to pull and they're just not going to do it. And I was like, believe it or not. I, I remember the first time I, d- I dumped someone out. It was like, before I knew it, I'm already tapping them on the altimeter. Hey, you should be pulling. Hey, you're not pulling. What are you doing? And then before I knew it, I was already deploying them out and it was just no big deal. You really hear my voice in free fall? Swear to God. I'm so sorry. You hear it everywhere <laughs> else. You can't get away from it. No, and, it's totally true. And, and it's funny because I like kind of giggle. Like once I open, I'm like, huh, he was right. Yeah. Jay Stokes was my examiner and he swore I would hear his voice in free fall the rest of my time as an instructor. And the only reason it proved to not be true is I became an examiner. And then I heard myself telling you guys the same things <laughs> over and over again. I- so your own voice. Just for my own curiosity, what what are the requirements to be a bad student for an AFF course? To uh, actually evaluate, you have to be an AFF instructor with 100 AFF jumps. And for those who work at Spaceland, it's AFF, not SDP. Level 1 through 8 at Spaceland is qualified as AFF. Mm-hmm. Level 9 and above, they're actually using their coach rating if you use the technical standard. Yep. And that's as far as what we need for qualifications for USPA. Okay. Um, so 100 AFF jumps work under the supervision of me or another examiner, and they have to sit through the whole AFF course again the first time they evaluate. After that, do live evaluations, right? Do live evaluations. So, but does that count for like a practice jump? Like, let's say someone, someone, you can come practice. So I could come be a bad student. I come flail around. Yeah, anybody can technically be a bad student, but you actually edited a video of me recently saying I'm the target of a meat missile going 150 miles an hour plus. Um, I don't recommend it. It's not always the best place to be. Jay Venendahl has video of me being nearly knocked unconscious. I don't know if you guys ever saw that. A guy on his eval jump comes in from above me. He's supposed to be on the other side, comes in, and instead of going around or whatever, he drops his knee straight on the back of my head. And all you see is me completely lose it. Um, Five seconds later in the video, I start shaking my head and looking around going like, and I, and I don't have the biggest recollection of that moment. And Jay said he was worried. I was about to come flying and save you. Uh, he doesn't. He couldn't do that, dude. Did Jay he take his shirt off first? He, <laughs> took his shirt. No, he didn't have to because he paints on his effing jumpsuit. He doesn't have to take his shirt off. That jumpsuit is, is painted on. Um, look, Sam Lombardi just joined us online, and she's here in person. Welcome. Uh, That's a little weird. Playing with a Rubik's Cube. So, what a nerd. So you came here to support your boyfriend, and you're playing with a Rubik's Cube. 
No, whatever. Hold whatever. on. Sp- speaking of support, uh, your your mom commented a couple of times. Which, What'd she say? Uh, don't worry about it. We're talking. Hey, mom. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Love you, mom. No, but does how does your mom feel about you skydiving? She at the very beginning she was pretty. Uh, I mean, not reluctant. Like she was always, she's always been supportive. But man, she, it's made her nervous. So it, does she? Is she still nervous about it? She's she camely she she camely she finally came and watched me skydive for the first time. Whenever I, uh, I think, a few months after I'd been to Spaceland, so I think it was the spring or summer, uh, being at Spaceland because she always has this omen that if she came out and watched me, something bad was gonna happen. <laughs> I would get nervous, or no, it's just because you're a bad skydiver. Well, here, but yeah, exactly. Right. Here's the second part of my question: is for you guys and for your mom. Like, I think that we should have a community for skydiver moms to like connect with each oh, other and talk sure. to each other, and That'd and be, be like, yeah, I'm worried about my son. He does this. Oh, well, my daughter does that, and I'm really. Oh, oh, we all have the same. Oh, they're all fine. Everybody, oh, your your kids are all okay. Okay, cool. they're all doing great. So yeah. I, I think it either would work to calm them all down, and they'd all have like this like, multiple times skydiver mom, mom community. I think is great. Yep, I like and, it. I or, like it. or it's shit's gonna hit the fan, and they're all. It's like it's just all gonna feed <laughs> off of each other. All their worries. They're all gonna, gonna show up here at build. once. Yeah. No one nope. has called. No one has sent a message on Facebook. What is going on? Hey, man, I talk to my mom. I think once a week at least. If I uh, don't, I get a message from my text message from my mom. You're making me look bad. Oh, dude. Uh, <laughs> you don't I, call your mom every week. I know. You you're gonna start now, Rose. I'll make I, sure he calls you. <laughs> you are a bad every son. Week. I know it's horrible, but this is a lady who brought you into this world. I know. Were you born naturally, or was a C-section? I couldn't tell you. She either sa- she sacrificed her body for you. <laughs> she pushed you into this world, or got cut open. Either way, somehow she did a lot of work. Your mother I know. suffered. Yeah, look at that head. Good lord, <laughs> it's a big one, right? <laughs> I believe I was nine pounds. I'm pretty sure my ears were what caused my mom a significant amount of pain on the way out. It was just a difficult journey, man. They've always been that. You grew into them finally. I grew into them. Yeah, uh, proud mom, not proud mom. Awesome. But, but Rose, how would you feel if I was like, "Hey, talk to my mom. Let's just tell her to chill out a little bit." How does your is your mom a freak about it? Oh, she. My mom is in full denial of what I do for a living. No. Like I, a couple of trips ago that I went home, she she picked me up from the airport. And we're driving back to her house. And she's like, do you get nervous when you're on airplanes when you fly? Are, are you a bad flyer? And I was like, Mom, you realize what I do for work, right? She's like, oh, yeah, I try not to think about that. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, my mom is a huge worrier. Yeah. She passed a lot of it on to me. But, uh, she, yeah, she'll never – I don't think she'll ever be okay with it. Like, to, I don't know that she's – My mom's actually said she, this summer she's going to come skydiving. So everyone, I hate you again. Everyone's oh. seeing me say this right now. Mom. Oh. No pressure, Rose. Oh no pressure. Let's, let's, let's set a date. Mom Day 2017. No, I cannot, Sam. I cannot take my mom on a skydive. She will not jump either. Oh. She has told me like a few times I'll consider it, and every time she shows up to the DZ, she stops considering it. So, <laughs> I, I actually am very blessed. My parents love what I do for a living. Uh, when I first made my first skydive, I... I think I've broken 15 bones total in my life now. Uh, knees. 15. Yeah. Uh, skateboard accident, mountain bike accident, snowboard accident. I think I said that. Uh, no, I said that once. Uh, playing basketball, playing football. I shattered this. I, I just beat myself up, or Power Rangers beat me up, however you look at it. <laughs> <laughs> a um, Power Ranger. A, a Power Ranger. Um, 
we uh, happen to be named Tommy. Happen, yeah, yeah, pro, yeah. I'm not afraid of you. I am not afraid of you. Well, actually, Jason David Frank has talked about joining us on the show. Oh, that'd be cool. So. Uh, hopefully we'll, we'll get him going. So 15 Bones, so my parents like, dude, you used to surf, you used to skateboard, you bungee jumped. I got into skydiving. I didn't tell them until I made my first jump. Yeah. Hey, guys, I skydived. We figured it would only be a matter of time. <laughs> um, my Uncle Richie will, has about 1,000 jumps. I didn't know it until I had about 5,000 jumps. Really? So, yeah, it kind of ran in the family. They weren't shocked because I'm an adrenaline junkie. So, again, they really saw this coming. That's um, cool. When I would start skydiving full time, dad's like, uh, you really think this is a good idea? You're in debt. I'm like, yeah, dad, if I do a thousand jumps a year, I make this much money. It's not the most money in the world. But if I make this much money, I can. And I, yeah. did, I had all the finances figured out, I had all the math figured out. And he's like, OK, go for it. That's one of the hardest things to convince him. Oh, dude, for the first two years. How dad, are you going to do anything? Yeah. yeah, that's what I was always asked. For the first two years, dad kept offering me a job. Dad uh, retired from the Marine Corps after 28 years. And then worked as a civilian doing the same thing he did as Marine Corps, just got paid way more. Yeah. Became a partner in the company. So there's five partners, a primary and four minor shareholders. And they created jobs for me. They're like, so you can do this job. We'll, we'll let you work four, four ten. So you, you got Monday or Friday, Saturday. You can skydive every weekend. <laughs> Dad wanted me to have a real job for about two years. Yeah. And when he actually saw my first two years of skydiving full time, that I actually was better off financially than I'd ever been. Um, I made almost hundred thousand. I made ninety thousand when I was twenty three years old. Ooh. Yeah, dude, at twenty three years old, dude. Oh, I threw money away, credit cards. <laughs> That's how I went to <laughs> debt. I stopped making ninety thousand dollars a year, and uh, suddenly I accrued debt. Yeah. Um, I, I I still live that way. And when Dad saw me suddenly doing better with less money, he supported it, and yeah. and I can't think I have the biggest fans. So we've got the peanut gallery over here I having the giggles. Up. What's going on over there? Hey, sorry, we're just having fun over here while well, you guys are having a little chat. Will you control Okay, the, I'm going to tell you what happened. I'm going to be honest. Hang on, let me get me uh, let me get me on camera. Who farted? Okay. So, no one farted. <laughs> I'm sitting here. Ben made a fit. Ben, will you come so the people can <laughs> see you? Here, will you do the noise? Do the noise. <laughs> so Ben made a fake fart noise. Sam started laughing, thinking that I had actually farted, oh. and I think was worried that that was on the podcast. Oh man, that'd be great. So that that uh, this is how you know if you someone has farted. <coughs> <laughs> Cover it with a with a cough. I actually am thinking about it's we've we've turned one of the things Nick you notice is we've turned the audio up a lot on everything. And uh, for those of you watching at home, hopefully the audio is bearable outside of me beating up my mic. Yeah, Guru and uh, Nicole actually both said that they were having a hard time hearing it at first, so I, I raised a few levels. Where are we swinging on that Can one? you hear me breathing? I've been wondering that this whole time. I've been, I've been listening to you breathe. <sighs> I, got, I, see, yeah. I feel so bad that you guys don't have headphones on because yeah. that, to me, sounds hilarious. <laughs> and the, that's the way that everybody gets to hear it. You guys are missing out. <laughs> I, uh, I was I, wondering that. I do know Facebook might need to maybe come up a little bit. We'll check that afterwards. But I can see the waveform on the laptop. Yeah, on the on Audacity, it looks great. And that's and where on the mixer, it looks great. Yeah, Sweet. on Audacity, that's really what we're going for is making sure. So be patient with us, guys. I, I really prioritize the podcast audio settings for this one. Yep. Um, dude, I found out one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Every microphone that we have on has seven different places to adjust the volume. 
and they all have to be volume adjusted. I, I learned like why you want each one at each level because right. the computer in, the software, the mixer board, the gain, the master level. I, I had to learn all these things. So would you say you've undergone a large volume of learning? <laughs> no, I skimmed knowledge and information <laughs> to get enough to get by. I'm just really trying to make a terrible pun. I don't even care what oh, the a answer large volume. is. There we go. All right. <laughs> <laughs> it got I got it. I'm slow. I'm very slow today, um, or or normally. Um, oh my god! <laughs> right so, on track. Yeah. Sorry about the volume. Yeah, pretty pretty normal. Sorry about the volume. So that was your hardest part was, uh, or your hardest part was the uh, ground preps. Yes. What was your favorite part of the AFF course besides being done with me? Uh, <laughs> the flying, just jumping, and and once you're actually, the plane ride's really bad because you're like thinking about it. Just like any other skydive that you don't want to mess up. Oh man, I watch you guys on skydives. Have you ever watched the candidates and planes on these jumps? I bet it's terrible. You've yeah. been on the same boat now. You've been yeah, yeah, there. no, watching others. And you watch them dirt dive. Oh yeah, oh yeah, the full full four way FS. Yep, dirt dives. And close and, eyes. Yeah, mapping the whole thing. And I forget how nervous it was. And actually watching you go through your course and how smooth and natural you went, and, and you were focused, but you were relaxed. Um, I'm shocked to hear that was the plane was oh, yeah. nerve No, the plane ride was terrible. But yeah. then as soon as the door opens up, you're like, oh, yeah, I'm skydiving. This is nothing. Yeah, and it's then before time. you know it, you're just out there and you're just kind of dealing with whatever. And I was, I'm a, I guess I could call myself a perfectionist. I'm very picky on, on myself and doing a good job. And whenever uh, I just had to remember that during the skydive, I was trying to just do everything textbook. And then by the end of it, I was like, I just got to get it done, really. And and once I kind of got over it, it worrying about it being as pretty as it needed to be, and more about just being effective. That's when I really started being more relaxed and going, ah, oh, you know what, this is this isn't that bad. How many times did I tell you during the course, pretty's not on the scorecard, effective is? Yeah. And I tell people that all the time, and I'm convinced people can get a perfect score. They do it. Uh, Blair Blair uh, Hamlink, I'm sure yeah. he got perfect score somewhere. I mean, the guy rushed his course yeah um but i tell everybody there's no such thing as a perfect score you're never going to be perfect just get good enough to pass yeah and it's because we're pushing and i say we're pushing i really think it depends on who the examiner is i think we've all seen instructors trained by some examiners who don't do a good job uh hey beer assistant mr beer assistant yes we need a refill oh matthew peterson was just accusing you guys of not drinking those drinks i know oh i gotta refill it you better get down on it i don't have much to drink matthew i'm I'm almost done because i didn't pour much in the first place number three sorry sorry to interrupt no that's okay uh making us a drink is good cause to interrupt there you go um to matthew (laughs) (laughs) here is my soda zevia as you probably know i'm off sugar so it's zima zevia no i'm not jason hyder Zevia is a soda um, made with stevia Man, instead of sugar. I put, no calories, I put no stevia caffeine. in my coffee today for yeah. the first time. I, I hated it. I can't do it. I need real sugar. No, see, I'd, I'd rather do black coffee than, than the stevia. You know, I've actually been drinking my coffee straight black. Like straight. you like your women. The darker, the better. Hey, Sam, we have a secret, something we need, need to tell you. <laughs> oh, don't worry. She he, wasn't listening. All right. One black. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Speak. She never does. It's all right. No, no, no. She says she was listening while she was playing with a Rubik's Cube the whole time, but as normal, she's not listening to you. It's not uncommon. So, <laughs> Tommy, how would you say that uh, your indoctrination from getting your rating to becoming a full-time STP instructor, what, what was that like? 
going from 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 a- AFF, just, learning the AFF. Ending. No, like so, so you're a brand. You just got your rating. Yep. And now you're gonna start working towards being uh, an SCP rotation full time. What what was that process like for you? Uh, I it, it took a little bit. I was very hesitant to. At the beginning, I remember being like, oh, no, I don't think I'm ready or not. But it took some pushing of the instru- other instructors to be like, no, this is what you need to do. Uh, go out and work with, you know, they would find students that were that were doing, I wouldn't say above above average, and then putting me with them. So that way they're, they're almost setting me up for success. And then putting me with uh, levels that they knew I could succeed on. I, I guess that would be a good way of saying it. Uh, on easier... On easier levels where if, you know, as an instructor, you you maybe misread the spot or you go through a cloud or something like that. It's We don't go through clouds. I don't know why I said that. We don't go through clouds. What are clouds? They're where Care Bears live. <laughs> we well, stay away from them. I guess the whole point of my question is now that it's your job to give people the thumbs up, whether yeah. they're going to be an instructor or not. Is the process that you put people through? Is it the same way? Pretty that much you the came same through? way that I I feel like I learned until I was confident and was had total confidence that I was going to be able to handle whatever situation was given to me. I wasn't uh, by the I wouldn't be giving them a student that I didn't think I don't. Handle. I don't Does think it's fair sense? for you to say the same way you learned, and I say that because it's not the era. Um, I think it might have been the same way you learned, but the era you became an instructor in at Spaceland, I think we did a good job indoctrinating our instructors. I think we did a good job incorporating them and getting them up to speed. But actually, in your time as a chief instructor, you helped come up with a new program, a new probationary period that gave the instructors an intended structure to help them grow to the level to give more than anything else them the confidence they deserve to be who they are. Because we know they got the skill set when they leave the course. Yeah, that's true. It's when they start doubting and second-guessing themselves they don't do the job. And and, and doing SDP is different than doing... Single instructor. You're the, the only single guy. Single instructor, yeah, than doing... Uh, Have you done any single instructor AFF besides with me? No, I've done a handful... Uh, besides here? At Spaceland. I mean, I've done some like that were not part of the AFF course. Okay. Yes. But it's only been at Spaceland. Yeah. It's so weird because here at Spaceland, you guys go out and you're single instructor right away, where in the real world, we are, or normal world, because excuse me, Spaceland's not real. We're all fake and imaginary. Um, people actually get the chance to work with other instructors, and, and you were the rookie with a veteran. You're the rookie with a veteran all the time, and it seasons right. you. And, and you and you get that you gain that experience by shadowing someone else, uh, yeah. learning the ropes, listening to someone else's little two bits of yeah. information. As They're not just throwing you to the wolves. No. You're not getting trial by fire. And as a chief instructor, as an examiner, as their evaluator, as any one of us guys who work with them, we actually get to work side by side with a guy we just put through fire. We just beat on him. We just bullied him. We just tore him across the sky. I mean, it's it's our job. We get paid to F with people. And and now we get to work with them. And and you kind of miss that. You don't get that. One of of my more memorable memorable skydives in the last two years was jumping with you. Oh, really? Yeah, uh, you and IR. IR, no, I remember that. Yeah, I actually remember IR's first jump. It went really smooth. It went really well. Yep. Um, we had a great time. And then do you remember what happened on the second jump? 
he was trying to turn the other way and I was trying to turn the opposite. Yeah. So Nick, we land and he's, you know, IR, right? Yeah. Really colorful Israeli guy. We, we got an Israeli thing going on. We land and Tommy's like, hey, man, so what happened on the jump? Well, I was going to turn right. No, you were trying to turn left. No, I was trying to turn right. No, you were trying to turn left. That's why I pushed your arm down. And Tommy understood that an IR was going to turn left first. And in free fall, IR decided, nope, I'm turning right first. It's just natural mm-hmm. propensity, tendency, whatever. Mm-hmm. It, it just happened. And Tommy remembered left first. And rather than watching what IR is doing, he starts forcing IR to do the other <laughs> thing. And he's like, what's going on? Yeah. So when they land, Tommy's like, no, you're going left. No, I was trying to turn right. No, you were going, you were turning right. You were supposed to be turning left. And Tommy thought he didn't understand what he was doing. And what, that went on for 10 seconds? Yeah, and then I remember watching the video and yeah. being like. I was like, Tommy, watch my video real quick. Yeah. I was like, Oh, because on my side, I'm on his right side. You can see him putting mm-hmm. it in. Yeah. And I, I don't remember the jump as well because of IR or because, and I love IR. He's a good guy. I get along yeah. with him great. Um, I don't remember it because of the debrief going a little sideways. Uh, I remember it because I just trained you not too long ago. Yeah. And I got to skydive with you. You know, Jay told the story of him and I skydiving together and me doing an STP with him and, and having a little uh, contest. It's so much fun to jump with other people. And as a chief instructor, do you ever take that chance and that opportunity to jump with others? Yeah, I, I, I try to. Yeah. To that's, go chase other instructors. Yeah. and that's, that's Not as much as I'd like. Well, that's one of the luxuries you have of, of your job. I have that luxury. You have that luxury. I think Jay does as well, is we have the privilege to actually go chase other instructors. And, and part of it is a straight up out of quality control. We're trying to make sure people are there to do what they need to do. And more often than not, I'm jumping with somebody. They're doing a great job. Right. If I'm watching you, you're not going to mess up. So if you're doing a bad job, I'm probably not out there chasing you. I'm watching from a side or afar. Um, but being out there and supporting your friends, dude. Right. You just worked with, who did we just do our grading course with? Uh, Colin. Chulo and... Chulo, and you train Chulo. Yeah, well, I got to do this Cat D. Cat D, yeah. Has he done any AFF yet? He chased me actually today with Spencer, our loader. Cool. Spencer? Yeah, he's getting his, he chased me on his, he was just, it was like his first probation jump, so he was just kind of flying slot, just hanging out. What level? Two. Two, why not have him dock the whole time? Yeah, I will. Chulo's worth it. Yeah, no, I just was, uh. I like having to see what the instructor can see get. where he flies while holding yeah. on for dear life. Yeah. So, Just, did he actually, so that way, like no, going unlinked, did, flying down, staying in his slot, and Chulo was like uh, stink on shit. Dude, Carlos was not one of the best flying candidates I've ever trained. And um, he, he flew like a, a champ. He, he did awesome. But he is probably one of the most pleasant experiences I've ever had as far as candidates. I, I feel unfortunate I didn't get to work with him as much. Right. I worked mainly with Colin. Um, Colin did a great job. Um, Colin had his own issues and focuses and mistakes he was focusing on. I think we just worked well together. I think I worked yeah. well with his style. So I didn't get to jump with Chulo or with uh, Skank. Skank. Remember Skank? Skinny, Skinny Hank. Hank. Skinny Hank, yeah. Um, and, but, but That sounds real. <laughs> Mr. D? Oh, we got fake farts in the corner again. <laughs> do we have to kick you out of the ben room? Ben Nelson coming with a second appearance. Do we Do we have to? <laughs> so next week, he's taking they're your so slot for the week because you're out, you're out of town next Wednesday, right? Yes, sir, I am. See what you're leaving me with? Uh, yeah, he's going to make a mess of things. He's going to ruin it in Ben Nelson fashion. <laughs> yeah. But you'll pick up the pieces and move on like we always do. Yeah, so, um, and by the way, the week after that, Tuesday night, um, I won't normally have three back-to-back weeks. 
Um, that's a lot at once, especially in the summer. But let's do it every week. What are you? Sit, what are you, girl or something? Uh, I'm just not gonna make any commitments because <laughs> if stuff comes up like taking <laughs> my wife on a hot date, we're gonna do that. I, I really don't have any serious feelings. I just wanted to make Tommy laugh yeah. with that line. And we <laughs> won't normally do Wednesday nights either. Wednesday nights have just kind of been a phenomenon right now. Um, I think you know what I like to do on Wednesday nights. That's my date night with my wife. We go to the speakeasy. Well, this we've, night. Been, we've been ruining her her date night. Now uh, I just feel bad. Uh, yeah, dude, I feel bad too because I'm sleeping in here tonight. This is this is my bedroom for the night. Oh, so. that's cool. I mean, this is cool. <laughs> Where's the couch? Where's the couch? There are three couches in the house, so I'm sure I'll be able to find one and a queen bed right <laughs> next door that you and Sam need to stay off of. Oh, Have perfect. we talked about skydiving the whole time? Um, we've talked a bit about skydiving, which really wasn't... I feel like we haven't got past being, being a coming, becoming an AFF instructor. No, we haven't. No man. one. Where's I, it going after that? Who knows? You're still an AFF instructor. You're still an AFF instructor. End of the story. What's your favorite skydive ever? Yeah. Fuck, I was going to try and not talk about skydiving. Favorite movie. Yeah. <laughs> No, you already said skydive. Okay, hit me with the skydive. There's one skydive that really stands out. Swingers. I mean, You've got to watch Swingers. That's one of the best movies ever. And Swingers? Boondock Saints. Hold on, was I on your jump? <laughs> no. This was... <laughs> okay, good. This was when I first started... Nope, not Ben either. Uh, either. Sam, sorry. You were not either. This it wasn't was, me. I feel good about this that. This was uh, when was I first started skydiving. I think I had probably 30 or 40, maybe 50 jumps. I can't remember. But it... East Texas skydiving, it's, it's a relatively small drop zone, and they are normally just weekends only. So it was, uh, we, I remember talking with uh, the owner, me and my dad were like, hey, let's, is there any way we could, you know, come out during the week and maybe be able to get the load up and we'd be able to, do, you know, to do some fun jumps during the week because we both had, I think, a, a weekday off or something along those lines. And there was one jump where we showed up that day, and it wasn't looking ideal, but there was a, I think there was a tandem and then us, me and my dad. And there was one hole in the entire sky and it, all the rest, like it was a super thick cloud, not a thick la cloud layer, but you know, a thousand feet worth of clouds. And it was right at 4,000 feet. And we, uh, there was a hole that was just big enough. I swear it was just the size of the drop zone. So we, we rode up and. I had I've never seen the sky like this before since I've done that jump where there was a solid layer at four thousand feet, but one big hole to where we could go through. And I just remember it being like the coolest jump ever. And there's I haven't to this day done a jump like that since. Who was on the jump? Just me and my dad. Oh, that's special. And then there was a tandem in the plane too, so So our memor most memorable jumps happen to be with our family members. Yep. Yeah. It's you. You gotta take your mom on a skydive. I know she's in denial that you even do this. But uh, no, my mom jumped once before. Did you? She, she did right, jump when jumps. I had about six jumps. Couldn't jump with her. Yeah. But but she's my mom has lost a grip of weight since then. Like she lost like seventy five or eighty pounds. Oh dang! In, in the last she year. lost the whole Sam. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> I, ugh. Did you? <laughs> okay, we're not gonna talk about moms and girlfriends right now. But uh, oh wow! <laughs> I'm gonna get her to do another jump. She, she always feels bad. Like, my brother lives in California, and so my sister and the kids, they go out and visit my brother because California is, like, a fun place to go. You do Disneyland, you go to the beach, it's somewhere you can take the kids. And no one wants to come to Houston. It's like, what do you do? There's nothing in Houston. Yeah, I mean, there's the Space Center, the which is cool. Yeah, you go to the rodeo, go That's see it. Galveston, and, yeah, what, what else do you do? So I don't fault them for not coming and, and visiting. Yeah. But my mom, I think I think she will eventually make it out here, and uh, she, she'll go on another jump, I'm sure of it. And just for the record, man, 
when you go on your long rants, you should hit that minus button. Sorry, yeah, I know it's hard. It's it's too many things for me to uh, to juggle. <laughs> it's it's a lot to get used to, and uh, for now, that's all we'll have. But gosh. Uh, I don't know if you realize that we actually have the ability to add any image, any screenshot, anything we see, want to that. So see, but now you're talking, and it's just pointed at me. Yeah. Hey. If we hey could world. have, uh, if we planned ahead, we could have actually used that picture Ben posted of Tommy on the staff page, Ooh, there and we, we could have loaded that into fodder. So yeah, you could have a lot of fun with that. Okay, I'm gonna get used to pushing buttons and talking at the same time. It's it's a trick, man. Speaking of which, more, and if any mom decides practice. to come out and skydive with someone that already is. Uh, like an instructor who works. Typically, everyone else that's staff likes to go on those jumps. So it turns yeah, they're in, super fun. It turns into one of the coolest jumps on the day because as soon as someone shows up and it's like, oh, I know this person, everyone's like, hey, let's all go out and join that jump. And it'll turn into like a six-way real quick. And then we all joke about we had a six-way with your mom. Yep. I, it's the only reason skydivers do that is for the goal of <laughs> we were in a six-way with your mom. Oh, did you ask me a serious question before then? I did ask you a serious question, but now we're off of serious topics. Oh, sorry. One of my, my more memorable jumps is clouds. Is dude, I was jumping to San Diego, 30, 40, 50 jumps, brand new jumper. It's just off the coast, and we had a solid layer at like 4,000. I mean straight solid, no holes. We're straight out punching clouds. We don't care. And then there was another layer at about 10 grand, and straight up another solid layer. We're punching clouds still. So we actually exit above the cloud layer. The coast is where the clouds pretty much break up. So yep. we see when you're between 10 and 4 grand, you see straight between a sandwich layer of clouds, and you've got the sun bouncing, sunset jump bouncing off the Pacific Ocean, and you Ooh. have all this bright red and orange light yep. bouncing between these clouds. I have never seen anything like it in my life, and it is my absolute, one of my favorite, most memorable jumps. I yeah, that jump that I was on, it was like uh, 9, I think, in the morning, so it was pretty early. Yeah. Same thing. You got the sun bouncing. Yep. Dude, it's it's... I was doing a solo and I was bummed. I'm like, oh, dude, I'm doing a solo. This sucks. Nobody's here. You just hung out and watched the whole time. Oh, dude, when I got in the clouds, I'm like, I'm glad I'm doing a solo. This is the best thing ever. That was all me and my dad did. I remember just being like, let's just, we like docked and we just kind of looked around. We looked over here, looked down. And it was just like, man, this is crazy. It's, I want to ask you more about the instructor side of the world, but I I think Mr. P makes a great point. We've talked a lot about Skydive. Favorite movie. Go. Boondock Saints. Swingers, gotta no, watch them. I'm, not, him, I'm man. not asking you. I'm asking our <laughs> guest my, Tommy, my who's never been movie? here before. Man, have you? Seen I'd have swingers? to say Superbad. Super. I, I actually don't think I have seen Swingers. Oh man, Superbad is a really good movie. Superbad is classic. That's what's one of your my favorite favorite, favorite part? <laughs> Steven Glansberg. <laughs> Either the Steven Glansberg <laughs> part or the. Well, I got. Well, why do you, Why God. do you have two? Uh, things of Tide. I got fucking blood on my pants. I got fucking blood on my pants. <laughs> yeah. I, that's that's a movie thought. I could quote all day. How that's come I've seen day. that movie like three times and I don't remember any of it? Ugh. You're too old. I, it's, it <laughs> might ha- when I was 20 years ago, I could sit here and quote movie lines all day long and now I'm thinking... Super bad. No, dude, I have a really big problem I'm in my brain. I'm pretty like, sure I saw No, it. Nick is above average. My brain is so filled with movie him, quotes. Adam... There's just nothing. There's not room for anything else in there. Like Blake. you can tell me new information today, and I can't hang on to it because I have to remember a hundred different lines from Superbad. Dude, yeah. Alex O'Connor and I used to be the same way. We sit and quote movies. Dude, the, the you know the movie Airplane. I'm aging myself now. Have you ever seen the movie Airplane? Oh, yeah. 
What is that? Uh, my no, parents really like that movie. <laughs> yeah. Dude, there's the two guys in the airplane, and in the script, they're named Jive Man 1 and Jive Man 2. Because they speak oh, yeah, Jive yeah. the whole time. Excuse me, I speak Jive. Yeah, Bat Bay Passaporta drinks, I run the Java. <laughs> um, dude, we memorized all the lines. That's pretty impressive, yeah. though. See, bro, I get a booty at him, lay it down, smack him, What you mean, Jack? Cool got to be. Is this some Pootie Tang stuff? <laughs> it's, it's just Speaking all the Jive, jive yo. And it's one of the few things I remember from Airplane. Yep. That and the little girl who goes, I What's like your Victor Vector? Like I like my men <laughs> black. Ooh. <laughs> oh, man. Um, for real, I, I'll mention Swingers and Boondock Saints forever. Uh, watch those. Boondock Saints is a, Boondock Saints is a classic. Yeah, you have seen that one. I have. Dude, Swingers is like 91, and you know Vince Vaughn? Okay, I remember seeing the cover. Skinny Vince Vaughn, dude. Picture Vince Vaughn the size of like Jason Hyder. You remember the movie Rudy? Yes. Vince Vaughn is the quarterback in that movie I discovered no not long ago. Yeah. Joke. Not not he's not funny. He's he's not mm-mm. Yeah. So I swore Swingers was the first movie I've ever seen Vince Vaughn in. And now I realize it is not. I never realized Rudy was, Someone's gonna I have to fact check. I wish there was a machine sitting in front of me where I could look up any fact that I ever wanted to know. You but I'm say, pretty sure that I'm right. You did say young Jamie. You want to be young Jamie. Oh. So Mr. P fact check that. Look that shit up. Mr. P Mr. P look that up. Uh, he, no, he, I got I got to practice. On. So yeah, I keep my iPad right here. It's just a monitor to see what's going on. Yes. That's one thing I do want to mention is a something lot. that uh, Mr. P and I have <laughs> talked about is taking comments and taking notes. So if we can remember, let's take some of the questions down and have those open question and session times. Like right now, that's all my Instagram is, by the way. Yeah, a lot of the stuff motocross, motocross. and skateboarding <laughs> and golf. A lot of the questions that pop up do kind of get answered along the way. And yeah. so sometimes I don't want to just interrupt and say, hey, what about this thing? Yeah, but now like right we've now, done. we've got if we had them compiled, you miss motocross. How long did you ride? I mean, it was, I probably was, I probably rode for like three or four years. And really active. It's like, you know, you'd say current in skydiving. I'd say I was current riding for probably like two years where it was like every weekend. And we'd go to... We'd, we'd bounce between Swan uh, and the small track in Athens, uh, Texas, which is right outside of Tyler. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, your mom just said something about Weekend at Bernie's. Oh, my God. Which, uh, what, which is a classic You movie. don't know that movie? Oh, I thought. I Bernie's. know the movie. I thought there was some hidden agenda when she Tommy shook his head. She No, that was like mine and my mom's favorite movie for okay. a very long time. Does because, your mom like dumb comedies? Yeah, I would say so. I mean, she's not a big Will Ferrell fan. She doesn't like... She doesn't like Will Ferrell, but Tommy was just so Not so goddamn dumb. good at that dance. Yeah, <laughs> is that what she said? Yeah, that's it. she said. Tell Tommy to do the dance. <laughs> do the no, dance. I'm not gonna. What's she the says, dance? Tell Tommy to do the no, dance, no, or no. I won't no. love him anymore. Do the dance. <laughs> she, she didn't say. I'm totally <laughs> no. I know she, she didn't say that. No, she couldn't even you bear that. Do the dance. <laughs> but it was just she would. No, it started with her, <laughs> <laughs> and she would always put her finger as. So everyone's seen the Bernie. Right, the weekend of Bernie's. Yeah, the dead guy, and he always had a mustache. And so we would always just do it in the middle of like the stores <laughs> and walk like this. But then eventually it became a dance, like not too long ago. But I remember doing that with my mom when I was like six years or eight years old. And whenever that movie, it came out in like the nineties, right? Oh yeah, let's find out. But dude, and, it, and we would it was a while we back. would just like I would just look over at my mom. My mom would be in the middle of the store going like this. <laughs> and like leaning back, but she always had her finger as his mustache. That was like their trademark. 
1989, Weekend at Bernie's. Yeah, no, oh for my sure. God. And we would crack up so hard about it. And then I, I think in like 2010 or 11, it became a huge... Wait a minute, 89 was Weekend at Bernie's. How old were you when that movie came well, out? Well, I was, I was born in 90. <laughs> <laughs> so I remember watching it really young at like 8 or 10. Sorry to make you feel old. No, no, man. We were talking about that earlier with uh, Mr. D, Ben Nelson. Um, it's your Ben 20th high school reunion this year? 21. 21. You graduate high school when? 2008. So it'll be your ninth year oh, anniversary. Oh, is great. And it'll be my 25th year anniversary, or 25th high school reunion. Ooh. Yeah, who? Um, <laughs> dude, <clears throat> I don't actually know any of those people. I, I, I don't think I... I don't speak to one person from my high school my senior year, but I told you I moved a through lot, 11th. Yeah. yeah, I was in, in Hawaii, 9th through 11th grade. It was a horrible life. Poor tortured me. And the summer between 11th and 12th, I moved to San Diego. Yeah, really bad place. Yeah. And I started living in the area. I went to high school the week I started my senior year. So I had no opportunity to know anybody. Everybody I know already lived away from where I went to school, so I get done with school and I go hang out with people. So I'm still in touch with folks from my senior year of school, yeah. just not from that high school. There was a, a group of my friends. I saw someone <coughs> post that and said, let's go skydiving three Saturdays from now. And I remember seeing that and being like, I haven't talked to any of them in a, in a very long time since I was in, in school. And I was like, come to Skydive Spaceland. And they're, I think they're... Either going to go to Dallas or go uh, to Skydive East Texas and Glaywater. Just because, man, it's it's four hours to come all the way to Houston. But, man, I think it would be so cool to see all my friends that were in high school and, and not to see them since high school, to see where everybody's at now. Because, I mean, it's hard yeah. to believe that it was close to ten years ago. Dude, it, it's four hours, but the experience is worth it. Well, for sure, totally. by all means. I and I told them they could get a group rate, too. I was like, you got enough people that wants to go. My girlfriend works manifest, you we know what I'm saying? Yeah. Hey yo. Hey yo. <laughs> yeah, back to she's not Still paying not attention. listening, nope. Yeah. Yes, I work manifest. I'm listening. Making fart noises, I know. <laughs> we got we got snapped at by uh, Sam right now, and if you've ever tried <laughs> to manifest on a load, you know what it's like to get snapped at by Sam. Oh, you so just burn. got sammed. <laughs> oh, you totally got sammed. <laughs> She, I, I'm, I'm gonna ask for a call, a 20 minute call uh, this weekend. She like, yeah, I don't have anything for two hours, DJ. <laughs> You're gonna walk in and you'll get a 20 minute call. <laughs> That's why I get for insulting Sam. I'm in trouble now. I hope Nicole's manifesting this weekend, so I'll, I'll be safe. Maybe. Um, motocross. Yeah. So I, I think motocross, and by default, I think track, tra rails, tracing. Yeah, it's racing. more like a, it's some kind of a track that's you know designated for yeah. like certain types of motorcycles because there's different kinds there's like trail bikes and then actual motocross bikes are you know they have better beefier suspension a little bit faster yeah they're kind of designed for it supercross is just motocross super yeah it, but a supercross is more like closer steeper okay you know like uh in an arena yeah. style and so it's like more compact and then outdoors is like Longer, hillier. Were there any jumps? Faster. Yeah, yeah, there were jumps. Like how? How big? Like the jumps that I would do. Yeah. I mean, they weren't that big. I'd say like, I think the biggest jump I remember doing because I was like fourteen or okay. fifteen. Yeah, I right. remember being like eighty or ninety <laughs> feet was like a big one. But I was on a, I was on like an eighty, an eighty-five. Eighty or ninety feet's not tiny, dude. That's as far as like Ben Nelson swoops. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I mean, maybe not even that big. I mean, I might be like stretching it now because it's been 10 years. So Sam I'm says like, you exaggerate with length. 15. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was about. <laughs> what is it? So did, did you do any flips? Did you Never. Flip? Did you no, flip not at all. In no freestyle. No, but style. I saw this video on YouTube where these guys did flips. So doesn't that mean I could do it if I yeah, saw it on YouTube? It's actually pretty easy. You just sound like a tandem student. Isn't that now. how skydiving works? It's yeah, it's not like a tandem student. No, it's funny because like uh, I, the motocross, it was it was super scary. I remember being so intimidated. Like I remember the first race that I did, I chickened out. I was like, "Yep, I can't do this. I'm not gonna do it." My dad had paid the registration fee and everything, and then. I was like, mm, yeah, I'm not going to go. <laughs> it was the fear of competition? Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah. And that was a huge thing for me at the beginning. And then, like, I think it was just because of the sheer number of people that were there. Because it wasn't like you show up and you enter a race and then that's it. It's like there's, like, a thousand people there. And they <clears> start <throat> at, like, 6.30 like in 12. the morning. And they stop at, you know, 7.30 at night. So yeah. it's like it goes all day and you can't. And there's so many people there. And I was really intimidated. And so I remember being like, yeah, I'm not going to do it. But then I, after riding and practicing, I built up the confidence and I finally started doing some races. But uh, that that first race, you say you were nervous. You didn't want to do it. You wanted to walk away. Oh, no, I did. The, the fear. <laughs> okay, you walked away. So you did your second. Did you actually show up to your second? And, yeah, and yeah, no, I, I actually ended up doing it. And, and how was the fear after the fact? And I, that's Not bad at all. Yeah, it's just like it was It was not a big deal at all. So many new jumpers show up to the drop zone, whether they're first-time tandems or first-time STPs. They're, they're in their camp. They're yep. still new. And they talk about the fear and the, the the inability to overcome fear. And that is, like, my absolute favorite part of skydiving is I have all these fears in life. I have all these things that I am irrationally afraid of. And I've been able to overcome most of them, except right. for touching my face. Still don't like that one. <laughs> um, and I've heard stories. Yeah, skydiving, I, I've, uh, yeah, I don't do good with that one. Skydiving taught me to, like, let go of that fear. That fear will always be there, but yep. not to let go of it but to grab it and control it. For sure. And so with motorcycle racing, you got the fear the first time. You came back the second time. In hindsight, how did that fear taste? Is that what continues to drive you? Oh, for sure. Being, uh, and it doesn't necessarily have to be like fear just as much as like uh, the unknown. Because anytime you go and do something new for the first time, you're like, you just don't know what to expect. Yeah. So I think that, and then, that's what I kind of liked about skydiving is like, it was a new challenge. And then yeah. once I got my license then it was like, okay, then I started doing other, you know, jumps. And then like, after you become efficient with jumping with other groups, then you're like, okay, now I want to start free flying. Then started free flying with groups. And then you have to get good, you know, sit flying before you can go to head down. And I feel like it kind of translated to all that because I was super, there was at one point I remember thinking that, I would never, I just never would be able to fly on my head. I remember that was like a... But your aerodynamic up there. Right? Yeah, you would think with my Set bald the, head. How, wait, who's been balder for longer? How many years you got up there, DJ? Well, I'm 43, and I have yeah. the same level uh, baldness yeah, as Tommy, who is how old? I'm 20. I'm 43 also. He might, yes. even, have, he might even have you beat there, Tommy. And um, I looked oh, at. I don't know, dude. These videos. You definitely got that strong widow's peak going. <laughs> Yo, it's way up. His there. widow's peak is stronger, but back here, dude, like you could comb your hair in this reflection back here. Yeah, it's, it's like good. these videos looking at me in the side. Like right now, if I look at this, 
I can actually see when I look sideways, the ring around head, kind of like, you know, ring around the tub. Now um, let's turn around and face the other way. <laughs> yeah. Oh, see who yeah, wins. That's, oh, yeah. man. And it's, then, it's and then looking. I actually get to, to see it on there. And that's, oh, no. Yeah. Oh, I see what you're talking about. The widow's peak. Man, it's huge. <laughs> Oh yeah! <laughs> oh, you I totally win. Super bald. I totally win. I mean, I think it's a mix. Come on, you guys are both pretty hopeless. Let's be real here. <laughs> yeah, no, dude. <laughs> oh yeah, hold on. <laughs> I mean, it's just, but I can at least grow a beard. At least I can grow hair on my face, Tommy. I hear you. Yeah, yeah. no, I I keep mine shaved. I fertilize mine with bullshit, so it works out <laughs> pretty good. Um, I think fear is what motivates us and what drives us to to do what we do. And I think you probably heard this before. Alcoholics Anonymous is a group who uses this in cells. We use this. And I've also heard it used in skydiving. We use this, this acronym in so many arenas. Have you ever heard the acronym for the word fear? No. Mr. P, do you know that one? False expectations appearing real. And oh, I think I have heard that. I yeah. learned that in DJ's coach course. Oh, wow. You did, wow, good for you. Holy cow, you learned something in my coach course. I'm <laughs> impressed. Um, and Janice Hyder and, and Janice Batillion, I guess is her, her maiden name now, is her name now. Um, Janice, when I first met her, I was a bad AFF student going to uh-huh. the plane. And as I was going to the plane, uh, I saw her in the loading area, and she was a little bit nervous, so much to the point that she didn't get on the plane with her instructor. And in hindsight, I think the instructor made her nervous. I don't think it was as big of as a deal as, you know, some instructors cater to jumpers better yeah. than others. I just don't think they were a good match. She's a good instructor. They didn't jive well together. And then we land, and she sees me get debriefed as a horrible student. And when we get done, I turn to her, and I'm like, hey, my name is DJ. How are you doing? It's nice to meet you. I noticed you were a little bit worried in the, in the loading area. And Janice, I'm totally, if I get in trouble with Janice, I'm sorry, but I'm going to get in trouble. She was straight up crying in the loading area. I mean, she was bawling. And so I'm like, hey, let's talk a little bit. Let me tell you. And in about five minutes, I realized, oh, I'm not a student, by the way. I'm actually one of the instructors here. I trained the rest of the instructors. She had no clue what my job was at the time. She just saw me as a bad student. And we talked about it. Fear, false expectations appearing real. And, th- and think about it. Anytime you've had fear, like, I don't like spiders. I don't like spiders at all. Yeah. But I picked up my fair share of spiders because they ha- it had to be done. Yeah. I also don't like killing animals. So as much as I can set an animal free, e- even an ugly spider, I'd rather do it. And I'm like, oh, that wasn't that bad. Oh, oh, oh that wasn't that bad. Um, a buddy of mine, Jay, Jay Stokes, likes to say, you have butterflies and I have butterflies. And he says it to the new guy. The difference is, is your butterflies are flying all around and they don't know what to do. And they keep butt- bumping heads. And they keep banging into each other. I actually put my butterflies in formation and they're just flying a V straight through the sky. <laughs> That's so pretty good. I think in my mind, well, what if I have a malfunction? I cut away and pull my reserve. That butterfly's in formation. Well, what if I don't pull? I will pull. That butterfly's in formation. What if I get unconscious? I got a cypress. That butterfly's in formation. Every time you ask yourself, what if, answer what you will do. And now you get these butterflies flying along. And then when I land from that jump, when I'm nervous, when I land from that jump that I'm excited, dude, it it tastes so good. Oh, yeah. It's way better. No, like going back to when I got my rating, I I would land from the jump and there was, I was very happy with the reward. That he got, and I would I wish everybody and forget skydiving for a moment. It's the place we get it from. But I wish people in this world would take that away from what we do as skydivers. Whether you're a jumper listening into this, or whether you're just somebody else who who's delivering mail, driving a school bus, doing whatever. 
whatever it is you do, remember every time you're done with fear, you have that elation, particularly when you achieve the goal. Even if you didn't 100% achieve the goal, when you got through it, you felt satisfied with the outcome. Yeah. Uh, you might want more and you might push harder. If, if we can learn to harness that fear. I told Janice, you have two choices. Fear will always be there. Are you fear's bitch or is fear your bitch? And I am not kidding. Janice walks to the plane. The next time I see her going, fear's my bitch. Fear's my bitch. And she's saying it under her breath very quietly. And I'm totally, man, I hope Janice doesn't get mad at me. Um, That's but, pretty dude, good. She goes on to win a freaking medal in four-way after this. Yeah. So I think Janice is a prime example. And, and again, I think the biggest problem is she was matched with an instructor who didn't jive her personality type. Right. Uh, after that, she got matched with another instructor who jived her personality type for at least a few years. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, she she did well, and she did so well, she actually got, she, she won a medal. So fear, obviously, was something that did not something. only Janice could yeah. overcome, she could harness and, and become a badass Turn into motivation. Yeah, and, and that's what you did in, in motocross. Yeah, no, for sure. And now in skydiving, and even in the tunnel, I've, I've didn't realize it, but you started training last year and competing last year with some buddies in, t- in tunnel. Yeah, no, and flying in the wind tunnel. Yeah. Before I came here, I had very little tunnel time. I'd probably <laughs> say like close to an hour, and then uh, showed up to Houston where there's two tunnels and started flying a bunch in the tunnel. And are you competing again this year? Trying to, yes. We're we're supposed to be competing in uh, Virginia Beach, I think, in April. Who's we? Me, John Barry, uh, Blair, Bushy, Hamlink, and uh, Mike Boer. You we're just hooked up with VFS. tunnel instructor so you can get free tunnel time. Pretty much. <laughs> and because and he's, he's really good. Oh, dude, both of them. Uh, Boer is a phenomenal flyer. I, w- I watch that guy Ripper. fly, and he's sick, man. Um, and John Barry, I don't think he has the same focus as Boer, and John Barry does really well for himself. Oh, man. I think if Barry had focus as Boer, or if Barry had the focus he has in being silly as he does <laughs> in flying, because, my God, that guy makes me laugh. So, so good. Yeah, they're both really, really phenomenal flyers. Don't trip on the court, Sam. You're, you're looking at it going, like, oh, this is an obstacle course. No, oh, that that's no harm. Um, so you say you want to fly as much as possible. Yep. What motivates you to continue to fly? What motivates you to still do this? Uh, just, I don't know. I guess just trying to become, because skydiving, I feel like is it's very hard to cap on, and I feel like you can always be better, and I can feel like I feel like you can always. There's. Every time I get down from a jump, I always kind of reflect on what I could have done better every skydive. And so I feel like there's a very long way to go because I still to this day, I, I land from a jump or like a video or whatever, a STP student. And as I'm debriefing the video or whatever, watching it, I'll look back and think about, oh, I could do this different. I could do I could change this, try this different technique. And I I feel like it's just. And I just really enjoy, you know, fine-tuning those things. And I feel like that's really what kind of drives me to keep going is just to just to get better. So five years from now, are you still going to be jumping? Oh, for sure. Full-time? Hopefully. And that's, uh, for, for so. me, a, a weird thought because you've been full-time at Spaceland for a few years now, a couple yeah. years. And how many people have quit skydiving 
since you've been here, and it's a handful. Know, we, yeah, yeah, we don't sure. know the numbers, but you could imagine as long as Mr. P's been here, as long as I've been here, I've been at Spaceland for eleven years, and I don't know how many people I've seen quit skydiving. Um, doing this full time almost kills your passion for the sport if you don't find other passions, and that's something I think you've done really well. Is is you skydive a lot? Yeah. But as soon as you're done with work, you're one of the first people to leave. You know, if you're done with jumping and you're done with everything at four o'clock in the afternoon, you're quick to get out. And now that she's not in the room, I'll blame it on Sam. <laughs> <laughs> I think Sam drags you out by the hairy testicles. No, I've actually I've actually <laughs> been playing more golf lately. Yeah. That's I I've been using that as an excuse. But that's the thing I wish people would understand is having that other hobby, having that other ha- habit, yeah. something to do besides skydiving is, is gonna keep you into it. So you also start playing the bad weather. How are you it's what? The bad weather. The bad weather and living at Alpha Kappa Hyder. Alpha Cap. <laughs> Alpha Cap. We're looking for pledges. Yeah. <laughs> so Alpha Kappa. Um, so you start playing golf. I, like how much? Uh, I try to play at least once or twice a week. I'm not very good. Dude, I'm not very good. I haven't played golf in three, four years. And what I do, I wouldn't consider golf. Yeah. I would consider it hacking. Yep. Um, we should go play sometime. No, for sure. I'm I, totally down. I still got my clubs. I actually got an extra set. of. Like, Adam always plays, so it's always me and Adam and then whoever else wants to come along. Dude, we need to get you, myself, uh, Davine and Dahl, yep. and, uh, and Ponch. Panch. Panch. Let's go. Um, and, and go play golf. And I'm just not planning on playing a good game. I'm planning on having a riot. Man, we we're just we're we're the same. We'll start out. We'll be like, oh, we're all into it at the beginning. Then after like three or four holes, we're like, yeah, we're over it. Yeah. It's for me. It's different, man. It, it, I, so I started playing golf to work on my patience. Yeah. If any sport's gonna teach you patience, golf is gonna be it. Most definitely. And there's days where I go out and I swing the clubs and I'm doing well. And I say doing well, I'll shoot in the low 90s. So I'm not really awesome or good. Um, Doing better than me. uh, Dude, I'm not embarrassed by that. And so at that day, I'm focused. Everything, man. How's my grip? I'm always addressing. I'm not too thinking. I'm not too focused. I'm just like, all right, man. I'm comfortable. I got this. And the days I'm not doing so well, I'll either overthink and overfocus and get pissed and hate the game. Or I just go, I'm in the middle of the field with a bunch of homies hanging out for the day. This is the opposite of what I do for a living. It's not nearly as much work. So um, it's, it's a lot easier. It makes life a lot nicer. (laughs) <laughs> it's entertaining to watch. <laughs> did you flip cameras to that? No, side? I would never do that. You should have. I totally did that. You should have done. We also can flip the camera and get Nick to talk while she's walking by there, just to make it easier for. Her. But it's so much more entertaining to watch <laughs> Sam try to sneak behind all those cables and, and the desk and whatnot. So, what else are you doing lately besides checking your phone for fun? Uh, not, not really too much. Yeah, I think like golf and that and. Golfing, whatever Sam lets you do, pretty much. Yeah, whenever she wants to go out, dude. I am in so much trouble when we leave here. Sam is giving me the dirtiest looks now. I'm, I'm kidding, Sam. So one of the things that you've been doing, one of the things you've been working on, is how to make skydiving better. One of the things I liked about the STP program, as I worked in it, is you're working on one of the best programs in the world. And again, you know, Mr. P said we talk a lot about Spaceland, but I don't think any of us love the program because we work at Spaceland. I think we work at Spaceland because we love the program. Because of what it does. Yeah, you yeah. know, the the brand uh, the Boyds have built, the brand Steve and Steven and Eric have built has allowed us to really enjoy and love what we do. And p- my favorite part was the ability to mold and shape and expand on the STP program. I've actually given a lot of input and a, a lot of changes to it over the years, and it's, it's been an honor. And you're now starting to mold the future of student training. Like, today we're doing things a little bit differently, but 
right now you're working with audibles with students. Yep. How's that working out? It's going actually really well. Uh, whenever you first approached me about using audibles with students, I was kind of hesitant to the idea because we. I thought it was an idiotic idea. The first yeah, time yeah, I heard no, about for it. sure. Like the the whole. Stu- you know, altitude awareness, like it's all about the student needs to check the altimeter because that's how everyone's been trained for the past forever. Yeah, I mean, just for people who are listening and aren't caught up with a conversation, I was, Jason approached me five years ago, and you were under the same pretense I was under. If people and if students used audible altimeters the way we use them, they're not going to be relying on their visual altimeter. Right. And your eyes are, are a lot more reliable seeing the altitude and seeing the ground and being able to cross-reference yep. those two. Cross-reference those Becoming two. reliable or yeah. relying on uh, something that may or may not fail. Yeah, so giving students an audible working under that pretense I thought was a horrible idea. And yep. so did you because now they're becoming reliant on the audible, not the visual. But you've been working on it for a month now. Yeah. And how's that going for you? It's going really good. The uh, all students that I've I've jumped with the Audible, they've uh, they understand the idea rel- relative more easily than I thought they would. I guess if that's a good way of saying it. Like uh, whenever I would speak to them about it, like oh, if you hear this in free fall, because of how we're we're setting up the altitudes, uh, it's not as if you hear the, uh, it's not like what we would normally use the audible for as if you hear it now it's time to pull, right? We were using it as if you hear this audible, the, uh, you've gone too late. You have one more chance then you need to get something out. Yeah. Sonic. And, and just because you know the story, but I want people to understand yep. the story and where it comes from. I was at PIA at the symposium and, and Jason told me five years ago, I want to try this. And I thought it was silly. And then we get to the point where I'm at PIA and Sonic has a seminar, Sonic from the Ranch, audibles with AFF students. And I walk into the door of the back of the room and Sonic's greeting people. He, Sonic was, he, if you've never met him, he's an awesome dude, really outgoing, really wonderful person. And one thing he did different is at his seminars, he stood at the door to the room and welcomed everybody in instead of standing at the front watching people come in. Right. And I walked up. He's like, DJ, what's up, brother? Oh, not much, Sonic. You here? Blah, blah, blah. Like, yeah, Sonic. And he was excited to see I was there, especially with my background. And I was like, man, I'm actually a skeptic. I'm actually a doubter. And I'm here for you to change for you to change my mind. Yeah. In the beginning of it, he goes, and you've seen the PowerPoint now because yep. I use it with you. How many people think it's a bad idea? And I raise my hand with a little shake like, I'm on the edge right now. I'm more against it. And at the end, who still thinks it's a bad idea? And the one dude still raised his hand. Yeah. The one dude raised his hand also says he refuses to use digital altimeters because the first time he used one 20 years ago, it wasn't very good. Um, so he can't get over mistakes of 20 years ago. Right. Um and, and now with the audible altimeters, what they've become now is dude, visual altimeters. In his case, it was visuals. And I say yeah. twenty years ago, it was twelve years ago. There was an altimeter on the market that in free fall would say press any key to continue, like you stop the fall. Digitude? No, not digitude. It was um, it started with a nep and ended with a tune. So ah. yeah, um, and and and, and altitude's done a great job. Their newer devices, the N three, are, yeah. are wonderful. But the original Neptune, press any key to continue. I fucking stopped. Really, give me a break. Yeah. And he had that bad experience, so now he believes all digital devices are bad. Um, Sonic convinced me and Jason and I sat down and we went through some ideas of how we could use it for our program. And then I brought it to you and actually we're trying to roll it out through, and I, I don't know if you noticed, I've avoided having this conversation with you about your audible and how the experience is going. Yeah. To and have it here. Yeah. I, I just, I, uh, I, I, I was curious. I find a time and place and I didn't know if we'd yeah. do it here, but, but here it is. Um, so everybody's having, so, so now we're sending them for three grand. Yep. 
the student should never hear it if they pull on time. Correct. It's a little bit different than what Sonic and the Ranch will be doing, but they're also doing it for just AFF. We're doing it for AFF and Coach. If they're in free fall, they should never hear it. If they hear it and they've done nothing, then it's pull time. They better try their main. Yep. If they're already trying their main and that's not working, let's go to our reserve. Correct. So, um, you know, Sonic had mentioned that it's like an AAD. Uh, Mr. P, I don't know if you know this number. Were you in the meeting we had in the STP program to use audibles with students? Yeah, I was there. Were you there, Benihana? Yeah. Okay, I'm going to ask. You were there too, Sam. Jesus Christ, you guys were all there. How many? <laughs> Sorry a- that we care about what's happening at the drop zone. How DJ? many student AAD fires are documented a year worldwide? Sam, I don't think you were there for that part. Thirty-one. That's what I was going to say it was around 30, so my brain wouldn't have been far 31. Off. Almost every examiner I saw, not almost, every examiner I saw in the room, every examiner, Jay Stokes, Michael Watkins, I'm talking guys who know their business, all raise their hand around the 10 mark. I raise my hand around the 10 mark. 31 documented. That's only documented. Yeah, and how many aren't documented? And so Sonic suggests that, man, we use it like an AAD. It's a set it and forget it device. They should never hear it. If they hear it, right. then something went wrong. And, and that's where you're using it now. Yep. You've talked with me about different altitudes. Like right now, we're using uh, LMB solos, which are every 500 feet. Yep. But we've talked about changing to Optimas, which can go to every 100 feet for a different altitude. Right. How are you? So you suggested 2,800 feet the other day? Because whenever like a faster fall rate of a, a student that has a faster fall rate, they're they're obviously traveling at a higher speed, so they're going to go through the altitudes quicker. Uh, so if there's any hesitation whenever their pull altitude is at 4,000 feet, by the time they're reaching and throwing the pilot chute, they're going to be under canopy or or during the parachute is opening, uh, hearing the audible go off. And so my goal is to try to either eliminate the student hearing the audible, or if they hear it, then they need to go straight to the reserve. Does that make sense? Yeah. So you mentioned twenty eight hundred feet. That way, they never hear it. You hear it. You're and if they do hear it in free fall, then it's then it's too late because I think twenty five hundred is too low. Yes. Right. Because then it's then it's too late. Then they're already past that point. Well, but. a lot of people use their audibles as like, "Hey, break off's five five, so I set it for five five. Right. You don't set your alarm clock for when you start work. You set your alarm clock to get you ready for work. So right. set it for six to be ready for five five. Right. Set it for two for three or two eight to be ready for two five. Exactly. Um, so one of the things you mentioned when we f- had that conversation last is you didn't want, you were worried about students sniveling into that sound and now you've actually had that happen. Yeah. And that the student was actually very, uh, Th- that was black Knight, though. Yeah. Black Knight. That dude is aware. That dude just gets it. amazing. So how, how much time do you take to explain the audible? It's, it doesn't really take too much time. I'll just explain to him what the audible does but most people are pretty clear on it pretty quick i was actually really surprised on how easily they were able to pick it up especially like for instance black knight he was uh, a student coming from china who had uh not a not i wouldn't call it a language barrier but his english was a second language and he was able to pick up on the the idea very easily that if he hears the the noise He's going to try once, and if that doesn't work, then he's going to go straight to his reserve. And But if he's already gotten his main open, he's already done his job. He doesn't need to worry about it anymore. And so I was I was pretty impressed with that. And so that gave me more confidence than other students. So have you had more than Lee snivel into the audible setting yet? Uh, not snivel into it, no. 
I'd be curious in that. I think that's uh, the upper levels are where we're going to obviously find yes, that issue. Yes, and that, that's when it was because he had a, fa- a faster fall rate as well. He was going uh, – he had a very quick fall rate to, to my surprise. Yeah. I think it's time to start uh, maybe watching for those lower-level or upper-level students mm-hmm. and maybe getting the right instructors involved with just the upper levels to see what we can get to snivel into because by the time they get to those levels, you're concerned of them sniveling into the audible – to me, isn't really that big of a deal by that time. Right. If they hear the audible on the lower levels, it might freak them out. Yes, it might scare them. Oh, I haven't heard that yet. What's going on? And also on the plane ride up, I feel like whenever the the audible goes off to let you know that, hey, it's on and it's working at a thousand feet, that's also a kind of a good reminder. Like, oh, that's what it sounds like. Yeah. It's not too alarming. I, I understand. Too alarming. Right. Yeah. Um, so that it, that's been working out. Um, I, I really think sometime this summer we might roll it out uh, drops and wide. I don't know how do you yeah, feel about that. No, I've, I've, I haven't had any issues with it. Cool, and, and I've got a handful of units ready for you guys. Uh, it really the thing I've been curious about with student training and taking the next level. I've been thinking about this a lot since we started using the audibles. Is the Bluetooth communication headsets? You see, the PD Factory team uses I've heard them. About these, yeah. You've seen the uh, motorcycles, and this is where we get from our motorcycle XRW, uh, XRW, it's and you put this suiting, yeah. little piece, you know, about this big on the side of your helmet, and that's your transmitter, your receiver, and everything, and even your controls, and then you have speakers in your helmet and a mic, and yep. it's voice activated, and. Like in big ways, they'll actually put these on enough people, uh, just the team captains or the right people. And some people will have them without the mic. So the student, excuse me. Ooh, that tastes like burger. The student doesn't have to uh, have a mic. The student just needs the audio. Right. But imagine this. First of all, we would only use this in the context of legs out, arch, relax. We would still use it in the same context of minimal words. Not over teaching, kind of like right. a radio, minimal words, not talking the whole time. Right. Um, and then as soon as you get under canopy, you have immediate radio control of your student. That's pretty good. As soon as you land, you're already talking to your In student. In contact with them, yeah. We need to get a hold of a set of those and test that out. That would be a really good idea. I've had a, I had a buddy a long time ago say that because I called him. I'm like, hey, what are you doing? I'm driving home. <laughs> he was on a motorcycle. And I was like, how are you talking to me right now? And he's like, yeah, through my <laughs> my headset. Through being awesome. And it was clear as day. I, yeah. I could it was had wind reduction uh on the microphone, so I could hear him as if it was like I was talking to him on, in a car. Yeah. And I was really amazed at how well I was able to and he, and he said on that conversation, this is what AFF's gonna evolve to. We're gonna eventually be able to talk to our students like this. Yeah. Yeah, the biggest question I have for for the skydiving world is is there's actually two for me. One of them is using them in student helmets where they're going to be capable of hearing, and with some of the current designs, I think it's going to be hard. Um, the M3 is getting ready to be released by Cookie, and it's got a little bit better ear protection. Where yeah. I think they'll actually be able to accommodate that speaker better for the students to hear. Um, and some of the headsets that are available on the market for other industries and other sports are too muffled so the jumper wouldn't be able to hear outside. Because I still want to be able to have people here in a canopy. Right. The other question I have is the instructor who gets taken a ride on an exit because... What they're saying in their helmet. Dude, <laughs> when you got your tandem rating, were you told by the guy on the front you need to be careful what you're saying to your parachute on opening? Yeah. 
is, is the most common thing I say, and probably Ben Nelson, when you did your tandem rating, at some point I'm like, hey, bro, I know you're just talking to the canopy. You ain't saying nothing wrong, but that will make your student nervous. And I learned the hard way. Nobody warned me. I'm like, oh, come on, baby. Come on. You got this. What's <laughs> going on back there? Oh, nothing, man. Normal opening. I just like to talk to her, man. It's like a woman. You got to make, make love to the woman. Talk sweet and sexy to the girl. You know what I'm saying? You, really, you talk to your parachute, though? Does, does that I, really happen? Not anymore. Because uh, like I don't I think for me a hard part about having uh, the microphone I don't I don't know that I could compose good sentences in free fall. That's like, the just question. Have regular conversational. That'd be the hard part to, and, and not only that, but if you're if a, if you're a student, you're not going to, want to hear your instructor going arch. You know, you're not going to, want to hear him yelling. Yeah. Like, and very rarely in free fall am I just like arch. Okay. Arch. Check your altitude. <laughs> Look over. No, for sure. Hey, you you can't talk off the mic, Ben. If you're going to talk, you have to. When we use them in paragliding, we... Oh, hey, what's up? (laughs) There he is. He's such a scene horse. Um, You you just have to get used to not yelling. You just have to get used to talking normal. Talking on a radio. Yeah. Yeah. Just like a a pilot. You know, whenever there's an emergency in an airplane, you notice how pilots typically (laughs) are like very calm and collected. They go right to that radio voice. You're like, I'm going to land in the Hudson. That's, that's, <laughs> what it, that's what I mean. That's how you can yeah, make yeah, it sound no, like. For sure. All right, good talk to you guys. I'll see you guys later. <laughs> Sam sounds just like working in manifest, but I've watched her and Nicole yell at me every day. So twenty minute call. Hey Sam, if you want to talk, you're gonna have to step with this microphone, okay? Yeah, yeah I know how you feel you about know that. How it works. Yeah, you you cannot you cannot be in the room and not talk on the microphone. Yeah, unless you're, you're gonna, gonna say Tommy check in, I know you're not comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> no, she doesn't even see Tommy check in. She just says Tommy. <laughs> there's there's pages where it's just Tommy. Tom- the rest of us we actually get full pages. Thank you very much. <laughs> Tommy, you lost the privilege of full words. You you don't get a sentence, you just get Tommy. It used to be Tommy with the, with a question mark. Tommy. And now it's Tommy with uh, Tommy. <laughs> exclamation, exclamation point. Exclamation point. <laughs> Mad face emoji at the end. <laughs> hey, you chose to no, show up here. <laughs> you chose to come hang out with us. So me. It's it's the way we communicate on the radio is a big fear. For sure. No, that's a huge that's a yeah. huge thing. Dude, you asked, do we talk to our parachutes on opening? On tandem we do the, I do the weirdest shit on opening. On tandems, I get cotton mouth skydiving. And when I get cotton mouth, I build up saliva. So I get my mouth wet and then I spit it out because it just <laughs> that's what happens. Under canopy, I spit all the time. If you've ever flown near me under canopy, there's a good chance you're gonna to loogie on. I spit up and over my shoulder, so it goes that way. Do you do you ever do the half line twist and then spit? No, behind but you? Eric Boyd used man. to take pisses under canopy oh, that no. way. Yeah. 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 Plammer, Plammer is the one who taught me that. Yeah. So I guess the only way you can like successfully pee under canopy is yeah. Yo, I know what I'm yourself. doing on Eiffel. <laughs> so I'll spit over my Look shoulder. Look out. And I had a tandem student one day. I spit, so my tandem student thought spitting was a great idea. So poof. Oh, <laughs> my man. Face. So I learned on tandems, the best time to spit is during the snivel. So I have a habit of when my campy sniveling, spitting at it. So the G2 first comes out, <laughs> full face helmet. Yeah, you see where that's <laughs> going, man. And I pitch, and it's my first jump with the G2. I pitch my canopy sniffling, and I spit right, right on the visor. Full face, man. Oh, that's genius. <laughs> I've been opening my visor while the tandem sniffling, yeah. so that way I can talk to my student easier. Dude, I uh, I open my visor on that one and could not stop laughing. That's funny. Yeah. I've learned to open my visor in a snivel. I've actually spit on my visor twice now. <laughs> So I really think those Sensa, I think, is one of the name brands. There's a couple name brands out yep. there. Um, I think it's something that we really should look into. Um, let's let's get through I'm this project right it. now. That's a, that's a pretty good idea. 
Um, we need to convince the right people to invest in it because I mean these these the problem is They're with these systems cheap. there's two or three hundred dollars systems each. Yeah. Um, and, and the great part is we can actually pair them, do whatever. So it's just something we'll have to figure out, something we'll have to try, and see where we can take student uh, training to to the next. Um, you have to, you have. There we go. We're hijacking which bins. which senses. Oh, cool, man. We need to talk to Ben Nelson then, Mr. D. Dude, Vulcan Obu's just joined us, and Vulcan, it is past your bedtime. You have a child oh. and you have a wife. I see what time it is, Vulcan, so come into my bedroom, and uh, and it's not what you want. It's what you need, my friend. <laughs> um, so I'm dropping my nuts on your phone, sorry. You're dropping my nuts on your nuts all over the place. So where do you see? So audibles are going to be a really big thing. I want to see. I don't want to see. I want to learn about. Communication, communication and freefall, yeah. Because I think there's like that pitfall you said of being able to form coherent we thoughts. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I train on it. Real, yeah. I'm imagining how that's going to be useful, like on a on a big way or something. Let's say you have, you know, uh, pod complete. Yeah, I mean, it could be someone like that, or it could even be someone, you know, like a few of the people in the base have a microphone. The rest of the the people flying only have the receiver. It's like okay, levels. Okay, this point. Okay, this is happening. Okay, not yet. Like simple things like that, I can right. I can see it. Uh, I want to say maybe it, it was working. Tom Jenkins. I forget who it was talking about big ways where they that they do what you just said. Have a few like four people around the base, just right in those sectors where they can see each direction, just so they can relay it to each each captain has. So one. Th- they've used radios for that. Already? Yes, they they've used it in in big way skydiving, just so the team captains are aware of what's going on in each other's squadrons or sectors or or their own. And I, dude, I can't count to four so big way means i I, you know i don't know much about the big way world besides um i know people have tried it in the tunnel i don't know what to level what level of success um of course canopy coaching and canopy piloting we've been using it for years especially those fronts hold those fronts yeah hold those let them up pull on the fronts till the ground get big yep then pull on your rears if the ground gets bigger pull on your toggles yeah did you guys (laughs) see that that new video in in the pavement yeah the guy bounces off the taxiway I can't watch those videos. Oh, it's awful. You know he didn't break any bones. That's I read the comments and he didn't break any bones. That was Israel? Wasn't no, it? no, it wasn't Israel, but it was the guy that hit the... He had yeah, the jump shredded jumpsuit. Yeah. yeah. No, no, I read the comments. He didn't break any bones. I couldn't believe it. Huh? It's unbelievable. I, 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 Just what you describe. I, I guess he was just video. like so... He was just too dumb. Man. Didn't tense up at all. Just hit the ground in a complete dive. Totally relaxed. Man, it, Killing it. I remember when the video started, I was like, man, this guy should be doing a break turn right now. Yeah. <laughs> and he just held on his front seat. You can always see five that coming seconds. when they, they look at their altimeter yeah. and not at the ground. Yeah. Like, they look at their altimeter, grab their fronts, pull them down, and then they just don't look at the ground. And it's like, I, I don't know if those people are counting. I don't know what they're doing, but they right. are not looking at the ground. Dude, the digital altimeter has been like such a godsend to swoopers as far as knowing our turn altitude, and it has been the just absolute death of them. Look at my altimeter turn. It's called a sight picture for years. How do you know how high you turn? Look down and it's that big. It just, yeah, that's yep. what she said. Um, look down and, and see how big everything looks. And it was just, a, it was a sight picture. And now they're doing exactly what you said. They look at altimeter and then they turn or they look at the altimeter and then they start pulling on things. It's, Trust it too much. Yeah. yeah, they don't know. And man, did you poop today? I, I, um, I, I, <laughs> It comes but, down to that, dude. I, I've been taking. I've been on a diet lately. I say diet, just no sugar. Uh, I've been eating smarter and healthier, smarter and healthier. And I'm seventeen pounds down now. But I actually the other day weighed myself pre and post poop two pounds. First of all, <laughs> that's a two pound poop. Just saying, <laughs> and, and that's not normal. Uh, I've I've 
tried it a few times recently. Just <laughs> just saying, I've been weighing myself. <laughs> Testing it yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. I'm curious what a dump weighs. Um, what are you averaging? Oh, uh, dude, about a pound, pound and a half. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you'd have the answer. Yes, man. Uh, dude, I mean, I haven't weighed it more than a dozen times. Just, just <laughs> throwing it out there. <laughs> just like 11. <laughs> 11. Baker's dozen times. You said not a dozen. So I said you've only hit 11. I'm lost. Don't no, worry. I'm yeah, keeping them. Um, but the, the temperature changes. Yeah. The density altitude changes. The wind changes. Yep. Your wing loading, how much you're wearing, how much you're weighing, what, what, what all you're doing. There's no way it's a static number. Right. You know, we have a, a, an ideal PowerPoint, but we have a, a turn window we need to be better at. So with, with audibles, um, even with audibles, turning by beep. So it's a pain. But where, where do you see back to student training? Where do you see all that going? If, those two ideas out there, where else can we go? You know what's funny is like we're we're talking about like how the student training is gonna go and, and in fifty years <laughs> the the new way of teaching new skydivers is is gonna end up on their back or something. <laughs> you Dude. know? Because like yeah. think about it. The fifty years ago, no they wouldn't have been like, Oh, AFF, that's not gonna exist. You can't jump fifty years ago or thirty years ago, you can't jump a Static square line. parachute. Yeah. You weren't allowed to have a square parachute. Only experienced guys could have a square. Exactly. You must jump around. Now it's the other way around. You can't. You have jump to have dual way. square parachutes. Uh, you can still have a round reserve. Really? It has to be a steerable reserve. Oh, uh, okay. But it has to be a ram air main, a steerable reserve. So round and steerable reserve. If it's round, it's pointable, not steerable. Um, right. I, that's just semantics. It's just me being silly. But I don't. I, don't, I honestly don't know where it's going to go. Like because with the tunnel. And how it's gonna evolve body flight, and they're gonna figure out what's easier. Maybe I mean, yeah. it seems like they've already figured out that belly flying is easier. But I mean, fifty years, who knows what's gonna happen? It's a young sport. Where nineteen eighty one is the year they actually uh, the first AFF rating in the United States and in Canada both were in nineteen eighty one. Nineteen eighty one, it uh, was made a, a rating. It was made a discipline in the United States, and then Canada did the same thing, and then the U.S. did their first rating. Ninety one, two thousand, thirty five years. Yeah, we've been doing AFF for only thirty five years. So I mean, it, it's got to change. It's got to go different places. If you crawl underneath the desk, Nick, there is a power outlet on the corner right here if you needed to use one. Oh, did it die? Yeah, my computer died. It's not a big deal. Okay, cool. I don't really need it. He doesn't really need it. Um, so uh, testing, There's you've, you've actually got the pleasure of doing a lot of testing lately. You're, you're testing audibles with students. Uh-huh. We're going to test these other things. But you recently got to actually uh, help me test the ProTrack 2. Yes. How are you liking that? The ProTrack 2 is really cool. I like it, it a lot. It's uh, It was it's funny. neat. We had prototypes, myself and Kenneth Gaja had a bunch of prototypes, and we've been jumping them for quite a while, and they got us to pre-production phase, and the pre-production models were out, and right now, actually sitting behind Ben's head is the manual, we're proofreading the manual right now, and oh, cool. oh my god, it's it's hard to... Uh, for the ProTrack 2? Yeah, the ProTrack 2 manual, it's about to come out, um, so we're really close to launch date, but the pre-production model, you got it, and you apologize, I'm sorry, I'm sorry I keep breaking it, I'm sorry I keep yeah. breaking it, it's like, dude, that is your job, to, to beat these things up and to break it. Uh, how did you like actually? Actually, Mr. P got to be a guinea pig for the Pro Track too as well. You both got yep, to test jump true. it. How did you like it? I mean, what's how's that treating you? Uh, I really like it. I've still been uh, jumping with it. I like the beeps on the way up, the multiple beeps on the way up. It helps me. It makes me want to have my helmet on more because I hear the beep. I hear my six five beep. I hear a ten five beep. So six five is kind of uh, 
you know, we're now we're halfway up. I'm going to start uh, thinking about the the jump one more time. Ten five. I'm going to start to uh, to gear up. You're excited that I put that camera on myself, aren't you? I'm happy to see you found that button. I noticed you saw it right away. So um, I, I actually use my last beat for twelve grand because at twelve grand I'm like, oh yeah, I need to wake up and get ready for a skydive. Put see, my I, stuff on. I I have a pretty slow gear up process. You also shoot video. He yeah. has he has ten scarves he has to put on. Hey, you know what? It's only two, and that's only when I'm. It's only sometimes. <laughs> and my helmet's on the whole time. I don't take it off. See, I for video, I. I can't imagine shooting an in-the-plane interview wearing my helmet, so I'm always going to take it off. Oh, yeah. And uh, I, I think it... I mean, I'm, I'm fine in the... Even in the summer, I'm still pretty all right wearing a full-faced helmet the whole time, especially if I'm on a jump where I'd rather be thinking about the jump than thinking about gearing up. Like, let's say it's a big way, and I just don't want to have to worry about doing that part. I just want to be able to think about the jump the whole time. Yeah, I'm, I'm all right with that. Yeah. But uh, I will occasionally jump with headphones in, and I only ever wear one headphone at a time because I want to have one ear open to what's happening in the airplane. I think it's I'm, only because I've tried to speak with people in the airplane who have two headphones in, and you try and get their attention, and you yeah. say their name, and then you tap them, and then they start paying attention, and then they struggle to find the button that pauses the music. and, and J.V. Nindal. So if something <laughs> was actually going on, that person, I think, is a, is a safety issue. J.V. Nindal. But if I have one headphone open, and I'm, and I'm, I'm using that to pay attention to what's going on in the airplane, and then as soon as my parachute's open, I pause the music, I turn the music off, and now I'm fully focused on, on canopy traffic. But if I do have that that one <laughs> headphone in, yeah, I do wear two yeah. scarves <laughs> because it keeps my maybe keeps seven, the cable from maybe two. Hey, it's only two. I know how to count. <laughs> I think but, Jay wears six, but, so I think he's got yeah. you beat. Uh, but uh, it keeps the cables from getting out and getting crazy. So no, I do. Sure. I do like it. Yeah. And I it makes me look uh, like a terrorist for a second, which <laughs> makes everyone scared on the airplane. So I look like a terrorist all the time. There man. you go. You got that complexion. Yeah. Terrorist <laughs> beard. How are you liking? Man, the pro track is it's great. I like being able to switch the uh, that it has four settings for each uh, warning. So four for memory banks for each phase. Yeah, four memory banks for each phase. That's a better way of putting it. So for <laughs> for climb, free fall, and canopy. So whenever we were doing the uh, the STP videos, yep. I think I I had a I had that audible in there. It would it would go off to let me know that hey it's a I would I'd easily be able to change it and so I, I think I have the setting set for like when I'm shooting video it's at seven five hey this is this guy is about to end and that's normally when I go to my back or whatever and then whenever there's uh for AFF I have it or for STP I have it for a different altitude and then for fun jumps I have it at five five so I can easily just go through and. So you're actually using all four or three or four banks? Yeah, for the high speed. Yeah, I actually. Uh, I'm using I, three of the four. I've added. I've changed my audible settings once in the last 16 years, and it's because they came out with a fourth beep. So I added a fourth beep. I've had the same beeps the entire time. How did you? I'm curious how you changed it. Did you change your your break so off? Is still had, the same. I never had an oh shit ditter. I never had my hard deck. Ah, uh, okay. I just kind of went with that one by trust and faith because I had the other ones. You had your break off pull. And not really. Uh, seven grand, five grand, three five. Okay. Um, and they happen to coincide with things. Maybe, maybe not. Seven grand is always you're low in the skydive. It's AFF, almost almost over. Belly. This is your last chance to have fun. Yeah. Uh, 
five grand was students should have been pulled by now. Turn and burn. I should be breaking off around now. It just something's going on. Five grand is that is the beginning of the end. And three five isn't always where I pitch, but it's somewhere plus or minus that. So right. I never have to think is this break off, is this pull time is there. It's I hear a beep, I know it's seven grand. I hear a beep, I know it's five grand. And I don't think there's a right or wrong way guess it right yeah because it's always been the same yeah a guy like you who uses it to let him know what time is about to be i I think that's super smart too i think it's just a personal preference and it was per jump it was you know yeah i knew i kind of i would remember changing it before the jump so yeah and it and it makes it easy if no matter if it's a different altitude or not if you understand the pretense of the beep yes it makes it makes life a lot easier so I, I've really liked it, man. It's been neat. One of my favorite parts about you being a test jumper is the Stella. Oh, why? Man. Why is that my favorite story? Because I lost it. You lost it. So hey, Tommy, uh, <laughs> I, I can only jump one prototype Stella at a time. You know, the Pro Tracks, I could jump more than one at a time. The Stella, yeah. I can only jump one. So I got two prototypes. Will you jump the other prototype? You can't lose it. You can't show it to anybody. You can't share it with anybody. And what do you do? I lost it. For how long? Man, a month. <laughs> So long, it felt like eternity. Uh, I thought you were messing with me. In your defense, I think it may have gotten stolen. (laughs) I think it got legs, and and the guy accidentally walked off with it. I mean, I don't think he he thought it through well. Yeah, I think it was a goddamn conspiracy. I think he stole it. I think Tommy was framed. I actually gave it to him, and then I was like, "Hide this. I want to mess with DJ." Yeah, dude. I I, the whole time I had uh, you were missing it. I just messed with you. Man, I, I was for sure that you had it the entire time. No, man. I would not have done that to you. DJ's just fucking with me. He's waiting for me to say I lost it because <laughs> he already knows that I lost it. I remember when you I was sitting next to you in the airplane when you spotted it on... Uh, oh, I was so happy. Wrist. I was so happy. <laughs> You're like, what are you doing with that? That doesn't exist yet. Yeah. That's mine. I was like, wait, what, is that yours? What was his story? Why did he I have it? I can't remember specifically, but I remember being Someone like, else had picked it up and gave it to And him. I swapped altimeters. with. I gave him my altimeter, and I said, give me that <laughs> Give me that one. I want that one right there. Yeah. And he's like, but it's, it's not even mine. And I was like, yeah, I know, but give it to me. And so I gave him my altimeter, which was just a regular Viso, and I took the Stella back, and I was so happy that I had it. <laughs> I remember you landed almost immediately, found me. You're like, yeah, I got it. Yeah, I was so happy because I had been looking in the plane for a month and a half about it. I would check. I would just periodically check people's wrists. No, <laughs> you, you really I was really expecting hard a, for it. No, I was expecting a, a tandem instructor or someone to to have it that you know maybe their student just had you know whatever they just expected their student sure. to go. Oh, this isn't my altimeter, but it's I got one back. Yeah, someone else has one. I got one back. Whatever. Yeah. So it's uh, are you still willing to jump prototypes now that you've gone through that hot mess? <sighs> yes. Good because back to you said it. I, I'm I'm sorry I broke it. I'm sorry I broke it. Or I, I'm I sorry I keep breaking things. One of the bugs you found was named the Chris bug. Uh, you know Laura Wagner, L Dub. Yep. L Dub's father, Chris Wagner, uh, also helps test jump these. He's kind of uh, the quieter guy. He does all the military stuff. Right. And the, the the problem you found is the offset. I don't know if you did this. If you mess with the offset altitude offset in the plane, it actually would freeze the unit. So and meaning if you're changing like the altitude, at, like you're flying to a different drop zone, you're going to be yeah. landing at a different altitude? Yeah. Okay. So like we're taking off at zero and we're landing at a thousand foot elevation. Right. Gotcha. And in the plane, you're changing it. The military does this all the time. So uh, Chris actually started messing with it and started changing it and started just, just screwing around with it right. because that's the way he would use it. 
and I've never thought to do it. And you, I told you, use it to its full capacity. Of yeah. all the guys who've test jumped anything I've given them, you mess with things the most by far, which is, is makes uh, the folks at LMB very happy. Jacob, the production manager, is excited that you actually put it through its paces. And the Chris bug, uh, as it was called, you'd found it, and, and they'd already found the find or the solution for it. Right. I didn't know that either. But it was funny to listen to you apologize time and time again. You're like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. Yeah, I felt I felt really bad from breaking it. I remember being like, oh, no, I broke it. Yeah. I actually met Chris, uh, L-Dub's dad. We, I was flying to PIA, and I sit down on the plane from Atlanta to Chattanooga. Sit down next to a fella. Hey, how you doing? Nice to meet you. Just sit. Very pleasant guy. He pulls out his iPad, and there's a picture of a canopy stack on his iPad. And you just notice that. You're like, <laughs> <laughs> so where are you headed, bud? Uh, Chattanooga. What are you going to Chattanooga for? Oh, a little bit of an industry thing. I forget. He said something a little bit generic, but still let skydiving drop out of it. I'm like, cool, man. The symposium. I'm going too. And we started talking. And uh, <laughs> Laura's a very, very nice girl. Yeah. Um, I can't say enough nice things about how nice she is. I uh-huh. think her dad's sweeter. <laughs> I think Chris is a nicer person. Um, and, and dude, I've, I've got a lot of respect and love for Laura. I, I got nothing but good things to say. Chris is such a nice guy. Nice. Yeah, I know where she gets her, her personality from. Maybe her mom as well, but her dad is an awesome dude. Very cool. So, um, you, You've become an instructor. You've become an uh, evaluator. You've been working as an evaluator now just for a little bit. You're working on becoming an examiner. Yes. What motivates you to want to train instructors? This is kind of wrapping it up, taking, you, taking it through the journey of where you've gone in skydiving now. But my ambition to become an examiner is just to, I guess, continue growing for myself, but uh, because I feel like that's the next step in my progression. Uh, but really to to just keep paying it forward, really. Yeah. You know, you're because every time you teach or do anything with skydiving, you're you're just kind of giving back to the original and or going back to whenever I first started skydiving, how people treated me and took me under their wing, showed me little tips and tricks. I want to do the exact same. It's it's been really interesting because I got to open up the rating center Dallas and Doug running that location and people are asking me about brand expansion and, and how I'm interested in doing that and I, I don't know if I want to. I don't know if I want to expand. I don't know if I want to gain bigger. The headache of managing it, the headache of running it, the continuity and the consistency of training I want, the standardization of training I want is something I'm really scared about that people won't follow through. You don't have to be exactly like me. You just got to hold right. the standards that we set. And... Uh, I'm going to put it on the line. I'm going to hang it out there. I'm going to hold the truth to it. I told you, if you ever decide that you want to go to someplace and open a rating center location, I will happily. And, and it's a public statement now, so there's no way I can go back on it unless you screw up. <laughs> um, but I would love it if you continue to work as an examiner and you became the rating center someplace really, really cool. Um, not a place that Ben was managing because I'd want you to have fun. I want right. you to have a, con- uh, a productive work environment. <laughs> I want you to enjoy yourself. <laughs> um, but as I, long as big turns are, are allowed, I'm, I'm good. As long as big turns are allowed. E- not for you. <laughs> not for you. E- e- but uh, even in a restricted area. Yeah, I'm happy with yeah. that. I'll take that. So I hope you continue chasing after that examiner dream. Um, it's been hard getting you the experience because you're so focused and committed on working with students. And please don't lose that focus or commitment. Yeah. Um, but anytime you want to work on the next one, anytime you want to work in one of the courses and take the next level, please let me know. Cause I'm totally down. To have you represent the rating center, to have you represent the team, to be one of us, one of us, I, I think, <laughs> I, dude, we would be blessed to, to have you as part of it. 
I would like to do it. Yeah. So Sweet. I think he's putting you on the spot, Tom. Dude, I, yeah, like I just got to get my examiner rating, right? You that, right? Well, you've been working on it. See, no, what, yeah. What if you like asked a girl to marry you in front of like a big audience and she said yes just to be nice, but maybe she didn't actually mean it and she's going to break <laughs> it off with you later? Kind of like proposing to your girlfriend on a tandem skydive? Yeah, don't 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 do that, dude. Have you actually? I've had two no's on tandem proposals. Have you I've ever heard, had that happen? I don't remember specifically how this girl said it once, but she was like, uh, "With what's the word I'm looking for? It started with an S, I think. Like with uh, certain guidelines. I can't remember how she said it, but it was like with what? provisions or something like that. Huh. I had a. This is back in Utah. I filmed a. I was filming the girl who was getting proposed to and the guy comes up and says oh blah 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 i love you will you marry me and we everybody jumped with the frap hat back home and she's like i want to take this hat off <laughs> that was her response and then she <laughs> takes the hat off and she's like can i think about it oh man oh, congratulations congratulations <laughs> cool. see you guys i took the boyfriend Super he proposed in the plane which i don't think is the best place to propose in the first place i don't think in a public setting yeah. but she straight up said no in the plane, no. And he said something that I couldn't hear because at this point I'm like, oh, my God. I'm, I'm more embarrassed for him than laughing at him. And uh, I, I didn't go much further. The second one, the ch- I, I was jumping with a girl with a girlfriend. And in, in the dressing area, it's a slower weekday. I'm standing back in the background getting all, watching all the interviews and, and what you guys do as video guys going on. And the boyfriend's dad is standing next to me. I'm taking her on a jump. And the dad says, I told him not to marry this Jezebel. And he uses the word Jezebel. Straight <laughs> up called her Jezebel. I'm like, yes, we're in biblical time. He should be marrying this Jezebel and called her a whore, called her a slut. No Ooh. exaggeration. Straight up these words. And I'm, and he keeps going. And I'm just going, okay. You know, and. And I know it's a proposal. The girl doesn't. I'm under canopy. We're on our downwind leg. And she looks down and she sees a sign. And she goes, what's that? I'm like, what? I know what it is. And she's <laughs> like, that. I'm like, oh, it looks like a sign. Can you read it? And as I'm going to turn on to, uh, it's, we're about 600 feet. I'm turning on base. She goes, oh, no. Oh, no, you did not. We talked about, this is not happening. There is no fucking, I think she forgot oh. I existed. She started talking to him in ways and saying <laughs> things. I'm like, oh, my God. When we landed, he she he turned it downwind and landed away from the sign. I right? should have landed away. <laughs> she didn't say no, but when we landed, he proposed, and she goes, "We've talked about this. We've had this discussion a few times. We'll talk about it later. Not right now." And she left. Like she walked off. Oof. Oh my god! I think. Uh, How did you propose? Uh, <laughs> dude, I actually took Valerie to Enchanted Rock, Iraq. Uh-huh. I had the ring in my purse or in my backpack purse. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, boys! I got my purse, my purse there. I had my purse, and uh, and we we hike around Enchanted Rock, and I'm looking, and it's dead. It's the middle of the week, and I'm right. looking for like the best spot to do it with the best view of the best scene, uh-huh. and I just find just the right scene in the right place. And I tell Val, we've been taking pictures the whole time, putting you know our little digital camera on, on a rock and putting it on a timer so we can sit there and take pictures together. Uh-huh. The old six <laughs> megapixel. Dude, I'm happy it was digital, brother, okay? Um, so I set the camera up, and as I set the camera up, I'm like, honey, can you get me a bottle of water? And I didn't know what's going through her mind. She's told me since then. She's thinking, what the hell? You have water in your backpack. Why do you need mine? <laughs> but you know Valerie. She's very quiet, very introverted, and she just she just goes along with the ploy. 
I'm actually pulling the ring out of my backpack, uh-huh. my purse. My purse. <laughs> yeah, purse. And she turns around with a bottle of water, and I'm actually sitting there on one knee with a ring. And I'm. This is not an audio mistake. I'm going to propose exactly how it sounded. Will, will you marry me? <laughs> and it was so broken, and that's probably louder than I really was because I lost my voice. I like I couldn't say. Oh, it. I could imagine. I imagine it'd be really yeah. hard. And her immediate response was, "What?" And. What? And so if you ever hear Valerie and I repeat what when people say that say that, that is That's why we're going it. to yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> we we never want to get married. We will never get married. Marriage is not in the cards for us. We were dead set against marriage. And she had no clue I was going to propose to her. Zero. Well, that's cool. So the what was more of a shock. And then I actually said it the second time. The second time <laughs> I, was <laughs> I was like, man voice, will you marry, will you marry me? me? Still probably sounded like a little bitch. And of course, yes. And then we went behind a rock and E-Rock, made out, got a little nookie in the woods. <laughs> that's right, baby. I just called on us. <laughs> wookie, or fish nookie. Nookie in the woods is wookie. We fish nookie in the rocks. Nice. Yeah. So we <laughs> <laughs> it's got very graphic very yeah. quickly. We we actually lived we moved in together after one date. Where was the purse? Where was the purse? <laughs> Who <laughs> has the purse? Yeah. Uh, she has the purse and she has my testicles in that purse. <laughs> we we had one date and after one date we moved in together. Oh nice. Um. So anybody tells if you're out there and you're listening to this and I've had a bunch of friends do this. Yo DJ, go tell such and such. Go tell Tommy he's taking it too fast with Sam. Hey, do you really want me to tell Tommy how I feel about going fast? Yeah, tell him, bro. All right, cool. Hey, Tommy, <laughs> Valerie and I moved in after one date, so uh, going fast doesn't always work, <laughs> but sometimes it does. Just be really, really careful, bro. I can't say it won't. <laughs> and everybody gets pissed because nobody asks me how I feel. They just tell me, tell them how you feel. Right. Great, it worked for me. Um, and, and we weren't ever going to get married. Uh, a buddy of mine, Justin Russell, who actually has been listening to this podcast here and there, Justin uh, and his girlfriend were never going to get married, and they're divorced now. This is a bad sign. Um, and I asked him, why did you guys get married? And he said, if you told me that I would love her any more than after I proposed to her, I would tell you that you're full of it, man. There's no way I could love her more. And I proposed to her, and I, I loved her more. That's right, Sam. He could love you more. And, and then you tell me that when we get married, I will love her more. And I tell you right now, you're full of it. There's no way I could love her more than I do today. And I got married, and I love Val even more. And right. there are no pictures I cherish more than our wedding pictures. I look through those regularly. I watch them regularly. It's 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 just a wonderful view. The photographer hid my face in most of the pictures and showed her face in most of them, so it looks good. Perfect. Yeah. So that brings me to an easy question: When are you and Sam getting married? I heard she's already pregnant. Two months. <laughs> Sam's two months pregnant. Nope. <laughs> Sam is two months pregnant. Next time you're a manifest, Impossible. congratulate Sam. Impossible. 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 Are you neutered? Yes. Yes. Wait a minute. I'm just going to start saying that. Yes. <laughs> no, you don't have a vasectomy. You're just lying then. No, I... No. Ben, if you actually look under that printer next to your head, there is a card for a urologist uh, uh, directly underneath the printer. You have the SNP, DJ? Directly under... No, 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 no. That's not directly oh, underneath no, the printer. Right there is a yeah, that's for a <laughs> n- no because I'm afraid to get surgery. Although I've had one before, mm-hmm. uh, Doc Paul. I don't know if you know him. He's a skydiver. He's a mm-hmm. urologist, and he's actually offered myself and a few of our buddies a very outstanding deal on a snip snip. But dude, I don't like surgery, and you're gonna do it near my junk. It's not that bad. Do you? Have, oh yeah, you, Nick you, has Yeah, it. dude, I was 18. 
Almost 19. It was like a week shy of my 19th birthday. Wow. Matthew Peterson, no, Bessonette. Matt Bessonette actually mm-hmm. has been vasectomy. And he says, it's great, man. I sat peas in my lap and played video game for three days. It's, su- it's super easy. Yeah. He said he could only play video games for one day. That's the only, like, like he only needed that much time. But he told his wife that I he need two, three. three days so I can play more World of Warcraft. <laughs> Genius. Leo never listened to this, I hope so. <laughs> Matt will never get in trouble. No, I think it's one of the best choices you can make. Did you have your your boys frozen? Do you no, have a man. Those boys are not out there. Full commitment. Ah, no, no baby. Lucky to the world. Yeah, <laughs> it's world something. And that's uh, that that pamphlet you saw there, that brochure you saw there, has been laying there for a while. And it's something that a uh, really good friend of mine recently told me that they're pregnant again. They did not mean to get pregnant again. It just happened, and um, they're happy. They're excited. But they're still nervous, and and they still haven't even let the world know that they're pregnant. And it was not. Pregnant. Are you gonna Are you gonna say who it is now? No, <laughs> I cannot. I, I cannot. I know he actually listens to this, uh. and I know we all know this friend. So um, I cannot. Yeah, now you have Ooh. to think. Um, Inquiring minds want to know. So it's Ben Nelson. Oh, <laughs> ben, Queso. Ben Nelson and Maxie. You got. You, oh, you Maxie, knocked her up right. again, did you? Um. She's a lady. <laughs> um, How dare you? She's a nice lady. It scares me because I do have I have no intention of wanting kids. Val has no intention of wanting kids. People ask us, are you going to be kids? Are you going to have kids? Are you going to be kids? Yes. Yeah, already. Are you going to have kids? kids? And we learned this line from uh, folks at Nationals in 2010. Their answer is, we're non-breeders. That is their answer. We're non-breeders. And I'm, I've actually had ladies get offended it's by that. Good. Like ladies are like, oh, what? Are we just for breeding? You know, uptight women. You know what I'm talking about, Sam. Uptight women. Uh, <laughs> <Sam> <laughs> um, it, but it, it's. I think you're right. It's time. It's time to. Uh, get the I hate doctors. I hate surgery. Hey, let's do this one. This one little pinch because they're going to give you a let's shot. Do group discount. Let's do it. Dude, let's yeah. Organize a. Everybody gets a vasectomy <laughs> outing. <laughs> So Ben Nelson wants to do a group excursion. No, man, but if you, tell him, if you tell him you're nervous, they're going to give you gas first. They're going to get you all drugged like up. You're going to feel a little pinch. It's a little uncomfortable, but, man, it's super easy. So you're, they don't fully sedate you? I think you probably could be put under if you if you requested it. Let's say you pretend. No, I'd rather have, have a local. No, the, I just had a local. One shot. Yeah. I've been fully sedated twice in my life, oral surgery and my shoulder surgery, and I vomited forever after. No, three times. Um, and, and every time they told me, tell your nurse next time you need a cocktail because you vomit when, or you get sick when you get put under. And I don't know what that means, but everybody I've talked to says we understand what they mean when they say you need a cocktail before you go under. So it's some extra medicine to keep me from getting sick when I when I get put under. It's horrible. The, the only thing that I felt odd about the procedure, like I felt so little physically. I mean, I guess you felt I, so I, little. I felt uh, <laughs> like a little tightness, like a little bit kind of up in my abdomen a little bit because they're pulling on tubes that are connected that way, right? Oh. So you feel a little bit of, of discomfort, and not in a painful way, just in like it's a it's a s- stimulation you're not really Awkward. used to. But I, it, the pain was so minimal that I sat up to watch it. And I've sat through a lot of crazy things, like through <laughs> like piercings and tattoo-wise, that I've seen a lot of really painful things happen to my body. But I'm sitting up and watching it, and I... What? <laughs> Is that weird that I watched? Yeah. Everyone's reacting like, that's weird. That. So I sat up to watch. Is that... I just, was it, like, cut wide open? Like, how was no, it? No, no. Was it, like, are they too, just... 
it's going in very, two little holes. Two in there. very small incisions. Some doctors will do it with one. I'm, because I'm imagining that everything is wide open. <laughs> <laughs> I just switch back to the and camera they, to get the and, view of what's happening. And they have an axe, and they're just like, <laughs> yeah, it's a medical grade axe. Okay. Yeah. No, but I sat up to watch it, right? Because I was just curious as to about what it looked right. like, what was going on. And it freaked me out that I could see him cutting parts of me oh, off. Oh, I bet. And, but but this that I didn't feel it at the same ah, time. Okay, like it was okay. watching. I knew I was watching my body, but it was like I wasn't experiencing the feelings that I was seeing. Right. And that kind of freaked me out. So that made me uncomfortable. Ooh. But other than that, like the, the procedure itself is super easy. Dude, oh my god! Reminds me of when I got a root canal. <laughs> so you had me your pants were down. <laughs> well, that's what they said it was—a root canal. When you said oh, root, they went I was like, yeah, they went ruined. So you had me sold because it's, you're th- you're basically saying I think arthroscopic arthroscopic surgery is what they call it, um, and I that's what I have. You know, I got little dragonflies on my shoulder from that surgery. Um, but then Tommy's hacking at the stuff <laughs> completely. Now I'm out again because this is what I picture. Yeah, but I'm telling you, I, I've, I've been through it. It's not <laughs> like that. <laughs> so you just sat there and you're like, you got to What's watch going on it. down there. No, I, so you're you're laying down. You're just chilling on the exam table. And for, I mean, I don't know how. I'm sure different doctors do it different ways. But you're basically draped. Like the only thing you're you've got drapes over you from your from the bottom of your chin down to the tops of your feet. I mean, it probably wouldn't cover that much on you guys, but I'm a little fella. <laughs> and there's one hole cut in the middle, middle of this drape, and they pull your junk out of the hole, right? <laughs> and then they scrub you all up, get you all clean, and then... Because uh, it's your junk in a hole. <laughs> yeah. Step one, cut a hole in the drape. Step two, stuff your junk in the well, We the got drape. some curtains here. What are we waiting on? <laughs> But uh, no, then it's, uh, he's got to give you a shot for the local, right? So that's not Ooh. the most comfortable feeling in the world. But I promise where's the shot go? Uh, into your vast deference tube. So that's the. So that's where the on my body? Don't use funny. They're words. going into the side of your testicle. Oh. But the into the into the tube, right? So not the testicle, just not the, the sack. testicle itself through the through the scrotum into the vast <laughs> deference tube. You want me to get you an anatomy book? I'll show you. Oh. <laughs> But so it's a little bit of discomfort. It's a little bit of a pinch. It's not that bad, and then you don't feel anything after that. Just a shot. Yeah, it's a shot. It's just in a. It's a. It's in. An, it's in your private. So it's in an area that's kind of taboo. So it's in a place that you're not used to having shots. <laughs> but it's not that bad. Sam, aren't you glad you showed up for this tonight? I've learned a lot. I mean, aside from whatever your personal desires are to have or not to have kids, for me, I was really young and I, I read a lot of stuff. And uh, to me, it seemed like there were too many people on the planet, right? You like didn't want to wear rubbers. I, I heard No, that I do. I still... <laughs> is, there, is it true that if you get it too young, it could... I heard there was like... It stunted his growth. It, it does something. <laughs> is that man. true? <laughs> no. It stunted my growth when I was 13, and no one knows why. I joking. stopped growing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Ah, uh, Okay. Yeah, you you can get it reversed. My brother had one, got his reverse. It was like six thousand bucks, but he oh, okay. knocked up a lady oh. real quick right after that. Six grand. Yeah. Is there so, a backup like traffic, like it just built like a dam. Oh, so <laughs> the, so the, the the side of the tube where sperm comes from, they leave open, so okay. the, the sperm still gets out and it gets into your body. Balances your hormones, all that stuff. It's just the tube that would take that into the rest of the system. Uh, they they snip that tube, they tie it in a knot, they cauterize it, and then they stitch it closed. Whoa! So, I mean, I've heard that, that it's possible that it can grow back together. 
I don't know anyone that that's actually happened to. Right. But uh, mine's going strong. Just had my 10-year anniversary, my Vectiversary. Well, congratulations. So hey, thank you. I celebrated. So you did this. How'd you celebrate? You, you said you read a lot <laughs> before you did it. Yeah, so uh, the I read this book called Ishmael, and Ishmael is a book. Uh, it, it sounds weird if I describe what the book's about, but it's uh, it, it talks a little bit about anthropology, and it talks about just the evolution of, uh, of humans and the growth of the population. And that, you know, in our lifetimes, uh, the population's gone from like 5 billion to 7 billion already. So it's growing really, really fast, right? So to me, it makes sense that it's not a, a it's growth that you just can't keep up with. Like the, the, the world can't sustain that many people, especially if we were all living, uh, you know, like not factory farming. If, if everything was sustainable, there's no way that the earth could feed, feed that many people, right? So I decided that uh, if informed people don't make a conscious decision to not procreate, then the problem's just going to get worse, right? But it makes me feel bad. Like, I feel like uh, I'm sure there will be a day where I regret it. Like, there are, like, when I see a tiny, cute little girl, like five-year-old girls who just everything they say is the cutest thing you've ever heard, like, that makes me sad because I know I'll never have one. (laughs) But then it's like, well, if I really wanted a kid... There are plenty of kids without families that uh, you, could you, know, you could adopt, right? Yeah. You could do the right thing and give someone a family who doesn't have one. But I think that uh, all of the problems, when, you know, when we talk about environmental stuff or social stuff, I think it really just boils down to there are too many people and or not, a, not enough resources, however you want to look at it. Yeah. So I think it's uh, a super responsible thing to do to decide, to, to, aside from what you want personally for yourself, that maybe uh, making more people isn't isn't the best idea. People will hear Valerie and I joke around. Like our, our first and primary goal is responsibility. I, I don't want the responsibility physically. I don't want the responsibility financially. I don't want the responsibility emotionally. I, I can't take care of myself. I agree yeah. with that. <laughs> um, you know, I got two dogs and two cats, and that's enough of a challenge. But then we commonly say we're also reducing our carbon footprint, and and it's kind of a joke because of the way we say it, but that's exactly how we feel. We're in an overpopulated planet. We are pushing numbers and pushing people out in an unsustainable way, so we actually we, we don't need to reproduce. There's no reason for us to do. We have no desire. Then, then why should we have kids? And really think about it. Do you want a young DJ running around? No. I, 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 I don't. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> Tommy, does. I'm actually kind of excited to see to meet this little DJ. So I'd like to, I'd like you to want to meet little DJ. Yeah, I'll show you little DJ. <laughs> I was I was at Home Depot today, and this lady had three kids, three young kids in her shopping cart, and she was obviously pregnant with another one on the way. And I mean, first of all, mad props to her because her kids were not always behaving, and she did a 100 percent attentive to them while she did her thing, did a really good job managing them and handling them. And when I first walked up behind him in line, the kid, the, the littlest one in, in the like little seat part behind the basket, he's looking at me and cute blue eyes, blonde hair, just the cutest little kid. And I'm looking at him and there's that little part of me that did what you did. Like, oh, man, you know, look, look at it's that, cute. man. Yeah. We'll never have one of those, man. He is so adorable. And within 30 seconds, watch this, watch this lady deal with him. I'm like, <laughs> and now I remember nothing bad happened. They weren't yelling, they weren't screaming, they weren't fighting, they weren't arguing, but she was constantly having to deal with them. 
she constantly wasn't, teaching. Yeah, she wasn't na- and that's exactly. She was a good mother, you know. She wasn't nagging, she wasn't reprimanding, she was constantly teaching. She was reminding her kid that you've got to use this. No, if you're going to do this, this. Hey, well, no, remember this. Hey, please stop doing that. It's very, very educational, but I don't know how she survives. <laughs> I, she, I, I checked out, got an extra tank of propane, loaded my car, and she was still trying to put her kids in the car. I'm like, life is so much easier. Vasectomy. Yeah. We should do it, man. Snip, Signing snip, you snip. up. Oh, man. I got to call Doc Paul at some point and see if, see if he'll still do it with me. Um, I am only fighting for myself, Ben. I am not worried about you. Although we should. Do you want to see little Nelsons running around? Um, yes, just because they would torture you. No, I torture <laughs> everyone around me because I'd ignore them. <laughs> You'd be one of those parents. One of the parents who okay, brings so. their kids to the drop zone unless the drop zone babysit them. Oh, don't be that person. Oh, dude, I love Adrian, Adrian Glaive, because he brings his kids to the drop zone and he checks on them. He helps them out. He makes sure they behave. His kids at the drop zone, his daughters are a pleasure. They're never a problem. And then there's other guys who bring their kids to the drop zone and drop them off at the DZ while they skydive. And if they see their kid, it's to give them money to go away. Here's money. Go buy something from Gwen. Leave me alone. So. Yeah. And then they become the <laughs> Then they, yeah. So, no, we don't want any little bins running around. <laughs> so, we talked a little bit about, a lot about you skydiving. A little mm-hmm. bit about your personal life. What do you want people to know about Tommy? If you could sum Tommy up in five words, how would you do it? <laughs> five uh, words you gotta five be efficient words? yeah five words it's a horrible question I already got three <clears throat> oh. go with the three dinosaurs no <laughs> dinosaur um I don't know see I like that you have a hard time with this question because it shows that you really are a humble person which <laughs> is one of my favorite things about you like you're someone who's genuinely talented smart like I, if you were the Nick, you sum me up in five words. <laughs> You're doing good. <laughs> you know, I don't have. I'm not. I don't have a good economy of words. Uh, but if you were a manager at a drop zone, man, I would be psyched to work there. Oh, well, that's <clears> good to hear. Yeah, I think you're a great leader. Um, I am positive, at least as of right now, you don't see that goal in your in your future. You're not into that leadership goal as far as management. But there's a lot of places you can go. I, I think Nick, you're probably more like me. If you asked me to describe myself in five words. I could do it very quickly, but most of it would be very uh, unflattering to me because I can only see my negative issues. So I, there's a lot of things I don't necessarily like. Um, but we'll get to that at another time when you and I are back in these chairs. Deal. There, there's uh, the opportunity we talked about at some point. We're going to sit with me there and him here. And I don't oh, think that's going to cool. go very well. Just, you're going to abuse me. No, I just don't think that you have, like I said, you have a gift of gab that I just do not have. You do well when you get moving. I feel like I've I've spoke very little. Really yeah, happy you, with that. Yes, <laughs> it's it's hard because you start ta- and then DJ's a show stealer. You no, I <laughs> I slow down. I I lose my train of thought. I I do it all the time, and I, I have a hard time getting my point across. Sometimes you get derailed easily. Oh man, so easily. Yeah, Jay was easy to keep moving. Jay just keeps going as well. We're a very similar personality type. Yeah. Um, except for I'm. Have less hair, a, a lot less Man, hair. He's got a mane, dude. Yeah, I hate that guy. Somebody Ridiculous. told him the other day. I thought your hair was really nice and full because it was long, and then you cut it all off, and then you still have a lot of fucking hair. <laughs> <laughs> I hate that guy. Ben, Ben. That's why Ben dates him. Hopes it rubs off. Well. <laughs> Just talking about your boyfriend. Yeah, yeah. So, man, I don't want to keep you any longer. I, I really appreciate your time spending here today. Thank you. Um, it, I had a lot of fun. 
I want to know in five words how you describe Tommy Miller. Tomorrow morning, tomorrow afternoon, on Facebook, post it. All right, well, I can say uh, fun. Or say it now. Excited. Uh, I try to be exciting. Um, <laughs> happy. Uh, I like fun with a period. Exciting with a question mark. <laughs> happy. Happy, and he looked happy. at Sam if that was no, an okay answer. I'll, I'll agree with happy. I like it. I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm going I'm to approve every one of your words. Is that okay? Lots of sugar. I, I was gonna like add sugar. No sugar. A lot of energy. Yeah. Coke or Pepsi? Yeah. <laughs> Is that a question? <laughs> I would What's actually, Pepsi? Happy, no oh, doubt. Yeah. Excited. You're always exciting to be around. Um, happy. You're a leader. You are a natural leader. People will follow you. Uh, Sam follows you everywhere you go. And I, and, I, and I joke around about that in your relationship, but I really mean that to a point where you're a leader. People will do what you ask them to do, and there's a reason STP instructors do a good job. So. Yeah. Well, thank you. Man, I appreciate, again, you joining us. Next week, we're going to be doing this again with Doug Ligner. Doug uh, nice. and and Ben. Ben, well, you're going to have to be a little more control when you're behind the desk than when you're in the background, a little too much of a distraction. <laughs> um, but we're going to talk about what it takes to become an examiner, what it took to, to be what he is. I really wish you were here because I really think you've become a big part of what we do here, Nick. Uh, you, you really keep that momentum rolling for us. The week after that, uh, have you read Stephen Angelis's book yet? No, I have not. I, I actually didn't know any of that stuff about him until you guys talked. About I read that. I, I saw. I, I read on Facebook that he has a book. <laughs> yeah, Stephen Angelos wrote a book, White Picket Fences. He's worked on two or three other projects with books. He's continuing to work on other projects. He has a lot of really cool things coming up in the future for himself. And, and I am not going to uh, give away any of his secrets. I'll let. I don't want to steal his thunder. That's pretty cool. Uh, so that one is going to be dominantly not skydiving related to make to make Mr. P happy. That one is going to. Hey, I love skydiving. You know. I know. But you there's do. more to Tommy Miller than not skydiving. much. Not much. No, man. Have you seen that this dude is a skydiving junkie? He loves the stuff. See, but I'm more interested. I mean, we're going over three hours. I'm just saying. But I'm more <laughs> interested in and who Tommy like. So for me, it's really easy, like you said, about focusing on the negative. Yes. Like that's what my brain does is it's really good at finding negative things and then picking those things apart. And that's where I find success. But there are people like Tommy there. Uh, Carlos is my best example of this that uh, I usually see. They pick the positive thing first. Yes. And so that that captures my interest because I want more of that. Like I want to make my brain work that way. So when I see someone who's really good at it, who's really good at staying positive, who's someone mm -hmm. who like I have a hard time dealing with people who I don't know that when I interact with them, whether it's going to be negative or positive, you know, yes. like there are some people who some, sometimes they're in a great mood and it's they're super easy to talk to, super easy to work with. And then sometimes for no uh, understandable reason, they're not in a good mood. And that makes them very difficult to work with. And I am well aware that I fit that description to a T. That sometimes I'm super positive and I'm really happy and I'm having a good day and it's really easy to, to do everything. And then the next day, nothing's changed, but someone will try and talk to me and it's just like, hey, I can't do it right now. Yeah, I don't have time for you. Uh, yeah, I mean, and it's, it's usually that my mind's just involved in something else that to me is important that's on my radar. And... Um, it's really easy for my brain to just be in that uh, uh, when I get pulled out of the thing that I'm focused on. Now my brain's in the negative thing because I feel like someone's stealing me away from whatever I was focused on, whether it is actually important or not. But uh, there are some people who are just very open to uh, interaction. They're, they're uh, very available for whatever it is that you need. 
and people like Tommy and people like Carlos that are that way, I envy that. And I want to know, like, how do I get it? How do I do that? Yes. And so that's what makes me interested in Tommy as a, as a person, because that's what I, I want that. It's a secret. Yeah, I know it's, it's a, a secret. secret. <laughs> it's, it's, it's Coca-Cola. That's one of the hardest parts. That's the common denominator here is Coca-Cola. <laughs> yeah, I guess you and Carlos both really love We Coca-Cola. love the Coca-Cola. <laughs> And McDonald's. McDonald's. And that's why I think one of the hard parts for people coming in here is you and I are fourth time of us sitting down in front of microphones talking, whether it was that little shotgun mic or something. So it's a little bit easier experience. And I've noticed Tommy breaks in a little bit. Ben has, it took Ben a few beers to break down. I, I thought Ben was great. I love Ben. Ben did a really no, good job. I'm just picking on oh. Ben. It's, it's, it's only fun to pick on Ben. Um, ben was hilarious. I'm just going to say. Yeah. It was, you're really funny. And I, I think the first time, like a lot. People I don't know, oh, people I don't, uh, uh, there you go, Ben. That's rude. Yeah. People I don't know, people rude. that I'm not as familiar with, and, and Tommy, I have like, such a super familiarity with. Uh, skydiving is just kind of a nice, easy start and catalyst. When we get to people like Steven, I know Steven. I know him fairly decent, but I don't know him really well. And then I also don't know this journey he's been on with with authoring with books. It's just a recent conversation we've been engaged in and, and find out what he's doing. So those will be a lot more interesting. And I think, uh, and hopefully, Tommy, you'll come back. And I know Ben Nelson, unfortunately, will be back. Um, I think these conversations will get deeper and deeper into who they are as, per, as people. Because I'm with you, the human interest story. But you listen to Gary, I can't even say his name. Vaynerchuk. Vaynerchuk. Yeah, Stephen Boyd is a huge fan of, of Gary. He turned v. me on to him as well. And I tried, I really tried to give him a shot. Yeah. I really tried to listen to him. But the, the guy, like, so you've got Joe Rogan's mentality, who, like, you've heard Joe Rogan say, I'm continually unimpressed with myself. Like, yes. He's never super psyched on anything that he does. <clears throat> and that, I feel that way about almost everything I've ever done. Yes. But it's like, yeah, that was cool then, but man, I could have done it better. I could have done this. And, uh, Gary Vee is the complete opposite. He's super full of himself. Yes. Uh, he just talks about how great he is. I, I listened to one of his books that Steven suggested to me, and he considers himself a life coach, right? And then he, uh, in his book, he was taking questions from people, and then he'd give his response. Is this and a guy that's on Facebook that's always like... He's on a lot of Facebook he's videos. He's like, don't stop, do what you're doing right now. Is that the... Yeah, he's, so. he's that guy. Yeah. So, I mean, and a lot, a lot of the stuff that he says is, is motivating. Yeah. Like, he's got a good he's point. He's more of a motivational speaker, but it's, right? Yeah, yeah but it, um, someone had asked him, like, blah, 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 and I'll be your life coach. And he, like, scoffed at that, like, oh, I don't need a life coach, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, hey, you know, you're putting down all of the people right now who are looking to you for advice, and now you're saying, like, it's a bad, bad thing to need a life coach. Right. And then just the way that he talks about himself and talks about how, how great he is. Uh, I just like, don't. I just don't. Don't like waste it. any time. Wake up this morning. Start grinding right now. That guy. Yeah, and I mean, yeah. and yeah. I agree with some of that stuff. That like, For yeah, sure. yeah, yeah, get up, get yourself going. Let's let's do it. Yeah. But it's like if if you're if you're just like yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna get up and get going. And God, I'm so awesome. I'm so awesome. I'm so awesome. Right. It's like sure, if you're a successful person, maybe you can reflect on some of those accomplishments. But and he is a successful person. I mean, yeah. he makes a lot of money. He's had a couple. Uh, Have you heard of Pinky? He's like a Pinky? football. Motivational speaker. Pinky in the brain. No, his his name is I can't remember his real name. Pinky Johnson. Oh, he's got it. some other some videos yeah, too, he right? Had where he's got some good motivational speeches in, in college, and he uh, had had some really good motivational speaking. Yeah. Gary Sorry, Vaynerchuk, Gary V. It's Stephen turned me on to him, and I just started listening to him in the last two or three days, and I haven't heard enough of him to 
fully have an understanding yet. Mm-hmm. But the three things I've taken away from him so far is number one, work hard, which I get that. I actually listened to him give a speech where he says, and, and I love this one, you don't work for me. I'm the boss and you're the employee. You don't work for me. I work for you. I work to make your job better. I work to give you a better job. I work to give you a better life. And I like that because I feel in all of our lives, we're leaders in some form, in some shape. And the idea that we need to work to help make their job a better place is part of what our job is and part of what our role is. The other two things I take away from him is the second one's easy. You just said it all. I'm like, I'm a little wary of this guy because he's so full of himself. But the third thing kind of reflects the second thing. I am who I am. I'm going to own it. I used to be embarrassed by it. I used to hate it. I used to not like it. But I'm going to own it. I'm going to move forward with it. And for me, a combination of Joe and Gary makes sense. Because I'm with Joe Rogan, man. I You tease me, and you've made fun of me a lot during these. I've done a lot, but a few times. And they're funny. They're funny because they're true. And they hurt just enough for me to go, whatever. You know, it, I am going to grow that hair back. I'm going to grow my hair, man. I swear. <laughs> like what? Give, give me an example of what you mean by that. No, man. I'm not. I realize I talk a lot, and I don't like it. <laughs> I like introverts. I like quiet people. I hang out with Matt Bessonette. With Valerie, if you look at my closest friends, they're quiet people because I want to be like them. I can't stop the noise in my head. You know, something that you haven't said but something I don't like about me is I'm braggadocious. I like I like what I do. I like what I have. And I don't mean to be braggadocious. I'm just sharing what I'm doing. But then I realize in hindsight, like, man, that's just – that's not very cool the way you said it or the way you did it. So like Joe, I'm very – I'm not unhappy. I want to continue to be better. I want to continue to 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 improve and make myself better. But then, in Gary's standpoint, I am who I am. I'm going to own it. I'm going to own who I am today, but make the tomorrow me better. And for me, it's a combination of those two mind and thought processes that I'm really trying to go through because it's. I just I don't know where else to go with life but to keep trying to get better. But I can't. You, I think you and I are so. We we had some really serious talks last summer. We're very similar in as far as how we beat ourselves up and how we tear ourselves down and how negative we are in our mindsets. I wish I could be like Carlos. I wish I could be like Tommy. We're like, what's up? How's life? But uh, all, all I do is is it's you might hear a positive DJ. Oh, it's not very positive at all inside of my brain. So um, I don't know why Gary V. Do you burp a lot with that mic? The burp? Yeah, I notice you do this regularly. I've I've just been moving it. Okay, I'm worried that I you can hear me breathing. I play with the mic a lot too, so I then I started sniffing it because I thought it smelled cool. (laughs) (laughs) And then I was like, "Oh wait, no, people can hear me sniffing. (laughs) I might not want to do that." If you actually notice, since Mister P put his laptop away, you started playing with the mic more too. Yeah, I mean, just it's more comfortable right here. It's just pretty cool because before it's up here and I gotta stand or I gotta sit straight and we can reposition that for you at the end. That's good. I'm just chilling. Hey, what's up, world? So, um. Folks, thank you for being patient with us. Tommy, thank you for being here. Sam, for no playing with your Rubik's Cube in the background. That I actually wondered if you knew what you were doing, but I noticed you got progress. Yeah. I noticed you got somewhere. Did you finish it? No, she hasn't, she hasn't got there yet. Well, but I think I started that whole rant just uh, if, I, if it ever seems like I'm trying to steer things away from skydiving. 
that's because I just have a, a, a deeper interest to really get to know what makes people tick because that, that that's what interests me. I mean, I love mm. skydiving, obviously. I love talking about skydiving. Yeah. And I think we could talk, you know, another four hours just about skydiving and nothing else. Yes. But uh, we haven't even scraped the surface of swooping. What's, <laughs> no, we haven't, man. No, we haven't. What's, what's the name of this show? Uh, Gravity Lab Radio. And we do it because... I it, skydiving is a catalyst that starts this thing. Skydiving is what I wanted to, to get this engineer to moving, but skydiving is not where I want to get stuck in. I love skydiving. I love that life. And, and like you said, we get yeah. stuck in that conversation right away. But no, I don't mind that you steer back into, into life. You know, hold up a whiteboard making faces at me. Let us know who to, to change a topic or to move it on because skydiving is a catalyst. If I got to the point where 50% of our, our guests had nothing to do with skydiving, I'd be happy. That I, w- I would have no problems with that. Um, I never want to leave skydiving out of it, though, um, with some guests. some Kind of like uh, Joe. He, he started with almost all comedians, and now he has random people and comedians. Right. It's, it's start with skydivers. And, yeah, and it's, it's going to be natural. That I mean, that's 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 everybody we know, right? That's yes. My, my Facebook, your Facebook, it's, like it's filled with a bunch of people who we mostly have come to know through skydiving. So that makes sense. Yeah. But uh, I just don't want that to limit us from... Uh, Wait, there's people out there that don't skydive? Yeah, have you heard of them? Woofos? Yeah. One day, some non-skydiver, if this all goes well, is going to go back and listen to the original versions of these. And who knows? This might go two more episodes and be done. I hope not, because I spent too much money on equipment. Um, <laughs> I rearranged my office for this. So, um, But hopefully... That's what everybody can't see. This looks exactly the same to everybody else, except for to you. This room is 100% different now. Um, or I guess 75% different because this corner is, <laughs> is it's, it can't it's be 100%. Yeah, this 25% stayed the same. Um, hopefully it, it'll go that further. And no, keep steering it away, man. Uh, I, I've, I loved, you know, I think that having even skydiving centered conversations is, is totally cool and it's totally going to happen. Mm-hmm. Like I would love to have, let's say, someone with fifty jumps, have someone like that on, just yes. to present the questions that are that are in their mind. Now, we, and so you, your job, you need to help me with this. One of my goals is to actually find a newer jumper somewhere with a hundred, fifty to hundred jumps. Somebody I really, you know, get along with. Somebody we have a good dynamic with to make this easy, and bring them in and a hang out because there's gonna be a lot of skydiving, but not. And I want, you know, I, I've heard from so many new jumpers who say they've learned a lot from this experience. They've learned a lot from what we've talked about, and they've really enjoyed the skydiving side, and I think that got stuck in my head today. But I want them to understand what it's like to be a noob, and so many new jumpers, I I think we've all been through it, are afraid to be that guy or afraid to have that question or afraid to have that doubt or that that feeling or that mindset. And if we can have somebody with 50, 100 jumps and tell their side of the story, I think it'll normalize how everybody else feels. That's a good idea. I like those people that experienced out. The people who are still asking questions and are like, oh, I'm still new at this. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. That's awesome. Yes, the people yep. that scare me are the people with the same level of experience who are like, I fucking got this. All right, I got 100 jumps. This is how you do it. Yeah, yeah. I got this. <clears throat> yeah, one guy I've not talked to at all. I don't know if you know who Big Island is. Um, no. yep. And gosh, I can't even think of his real name right now. Andy, um, Andy, Andy, uh, Narito, Andy Narito, man, Big Island, Hawaiian fellow. I just remember the sticker on his helmet. Love the guy. We get along uh, right away. Get along well. Uh, he's also a huge MMA fan, so you know that conversation is going to go in more than one direction. We'll probably talk about fights a little bit on that one. And the other one I want to talk to soon, and I told her I would is uh, what's her name? Oh yeah, what's her name? I don't. Yeah, know. I know dude, I, Susan Hickman. Oh yeah, oh, yeah, Susan Hickman. Yeah. Susan actually agreed that she'll come on and uh, is she gonna sing? Yes, 
I told her she has to bring a guitar. We're going to plug in. in. She's going to sing. Um, so, you know, having those two new jumpers on sometime soon, if you find somebody, let me know. I like that. Yeah. For now, Tommy. Yep. Anything else? Nope. So next time you have to come with some really, really cool life stories. You Mr. P said so. You got it. You got it. Uh, we'll be back next week. For now, Wednesday nights, for the most part, it'll never be Wednesdays. It'll be Tuesdays and Thursdays. I say that. It'll never be the same. Uh, sometimes weekly. Nick said let's do it every week. I just don't know if we can during the summer. Our schedule gets a little hectic, a little bit busy. Uh, but we'll also be moving the live stream to Gravity Lab Radio on Facebook. So if you've not checked out Gravity Lab Radio Facebook page, uh, go check it out. Like it because it will be on there from uh, the near future. We'll only do a few more here. And uh, Adam Buckner almost has my logo done. I actually think we'll have the logo next week. Uh, you won't be here for that. But Ben, you'll actually preload the logo for Gravity Lab Radio instead of Ooh, for the nice. Radio Center. Uh, we have the artist for the website. We'll have all the characters done at the end of the month. I have some really cool surprises coming. Uh, one just really cool picture for the website and one really cool surprise coming. And so the beginning of April, we should have everything in line. And actually, I have all the audio set. So this should be available in podcast format. I have been going back and engineering all the last audios for the first four uh, episodes. I've even been able to pull the audio from our first episode. So we'll be able to upload all those. Uh, Sounds like a lot of work, uh, dude. It's it's been a lot of work, but it's been it's been a hobby. You know how you nerded yeah, out yeah, about no, skydiving? Sure. No, for sure, dude. I sat at that desk for the entire day, uh, or the majority of the day yesterday, learning about audio engineering and all those knobs and all those levers and all these On different the things. I do the yeah. yeah, the sound file and stuff. Yeah, I know how to manipulate knobs. Yeah, know how to manipulate knob knobs. expert. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, um, but till then, we're out of here. Thank you for joining us. Blue skies.